0: are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the street
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francell Evans.
2: Oh yes, wait a minute, Mister Postman.
1: Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. A-
3: what up, Fran? Come what on, stars, man. How's it going? I'm doing good, man. Enough about me, though. Just wanted to say, fuck Bill Cosby, man. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Yeah, man. Fuck Bill Cosby, man. Yeah, have you, have you listened to Chasing I, Cosby?
1: I haven't. I've heard about Chasing Cosby. Yes,
3: um, man. I didn't know
1: all the
2: deets. Well,
3: welcome to the train, man. Welcome to welcome no, welcome. no, I mean, I, I mean, I've I've been like, you know, well, uh, yeah, but the deets really. But the deets. A picture I was like,
2: man. Oh,
1: yeah, he's a dirty, dirty, dirty scumbag, man. Wow, I know, wow. I know some of the deets. I haven't had it like I haven't heard like you know testimonials from yeah. people's interviews and stuff like that. But yeah, he used to. Get the girls. Oh, that's what? really inappropriate. No, I'm. Wow, that was completely un. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the wrong time to hit that button. That was. The- Long story short, he used to, he's a, he's a dirty, dirty scumbag. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Cosby's a super dirtbag. and Man. he's such a narcissist that he doesn't really understand that he did anything wrong, and I don't think he ever will. It was insane. He's like, we partied, you partied, I partied. We had a good time. Like we were just having a good time, right? And he, so he'll never really comprehend.
3: Uh, Chasing Cosby, go go listen to that. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard. Oh I've,
1: I've, I mean, I don't want to say good things, but I've heard very informative things about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for anybody who might still be unaware of what you know, Bill Cosby's accusations are, or like free Bill Cosby or anything like that. I mean, Chase, I was never Chase, on that train, but sure, but I Cosby. just didn't know the details. Right, of, I was like, well, Chasing Cosby really puts a nice hell? little bow on it, wraps yeah, it up, and sure. lets everybody really understand, the, you know, the depths of what that dude was into. For sure, yeah, some freaky nasty things. Yes. Um. Other than that, man, yes, enough about you, enough about me. Um, I am uh, recovering from, it's been a day of uh, drinking bourbon and talking about life and yeah. friendship and things of that nature. So um, I am all philosophized out. I don't really have any words of encouragement for people today. Yeah. Um. I'm, I got a belly full of whiskey. And, uh, so you're I, drunk. I wouldn't say I'm drunk, but I'm... I'm bust and i'm I'm all talked out I've been yeah. talking about <laughs> I've been talking about friendship and family and yeah. blood thicker than water and all those kind of things and if anything that I'm saying sounds interesting i you know to you I'm happy to roll the conversation out again, but if it's you know but if it's not, that's fine too but it just was talk we were just you know I was talking to Sierra's stepdad about um I've mentioned to you that my grandfather has like going through the slopes of dementia, yeah. And he fell mm-hmm. in the bathroom about a week and a half ago. Yeah. And you can't go to the hospitals right now. Mm-hmm. So I called the hospital because I found out, he, you know, I got contacted and said he slipped and everything. And I contacted the hospital to talk to him. I didn't know it was, the number they gave me wasn't, I didn't know, they didn't tell me it was to the hospital. I thought mm-hmm. it was maybe a cell phone or something. I didn't know. So when they, the hospital picked up, they transferred me to his room and then I asked him how he's doing. He said, oh, I'm good, man. You want to talk to your aunt? Dumb me, I'm like, oh, well, I guess the COVID restrictions are, like, changed or something like that. Yeah. And there was no aunt there. Yeah. So he gave the phone to, he's like, can you give the phone to, you yeah. know, this so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And then she picks up the phone. She's like, hello? And I'm like, I was like, yeah, hello. I was like, there's nobody there, right? And she's like, no, I'm a nurse. Yeah. And so uh, that really bummed me out. So I was like, okay, it just got out. I was like, is he all right? And she's like, yeah. so I just got off the phone as fast as I could. And so we were just kind of talking about that kind of stuff and just that stuff that comes with life and you get older and other people get older and you start to, people start to fade and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was like, um, it was a cathartic conversation, but I also did that while sipping on whiskey. So yeah, man, I'm all talked out. Yeah. But, um, as always, we continue to have things to celebrate because of you incredible people that listen to this podcast. I don't really know what you get out of it because you get episodes like this where it's like, oh, I don't really have anything I... Enlightening to say. I don't really have any words for you, but what we do is celebrate all of you incredible people. We're going to start off with Daisy H. Daisy, thank you. Shout out to you. Thank you for being a supporter on the Patreon. We appreciate you immensely. Thank you so much. Uh, up next, we got Maddie M. Maddie, shout out to you, a serial killer. Another thing I see also, I just want to not call people out because I'm appreciative of everybody, but um, there's a woman on here named Haida, Haida S. She sometimes people will be like, "I'm gonna just donate, you know, ten dollars, right?" Yeah. But if you don't pick a category, like you can be an affirminator, you can be a serial killer, but if you don't pick a category and you just donate, I don't, I don't think you get access to the stuff. So while I appreciate somebody just being like, "I don't really get into all the fooey of like what category," here's just some money. Yeah. We, while I appreciate it, I think that that can hinder people from getting into experience the benefits of being on the Patreon. Yeah. So just click a click a, a bubble and pick a category just mm-hmm. so you get access to the stuff. But Haida, thank you so much for your donation. It and I'm only speaking that because next to her name it says nothing. Like she's not on any tier. You do have to be on a tier to get access to the stuff. So just something to think about if you're thinking about joining the Patreon, just click one of the bubbles, you know? Yeah. Um uh Jamie H S. Jamie, shout out to you. Thank you very much for your support. We appreciate you immensely and thank you so much. Uh, up next we got Andrea W Andrea W Shout out to you for that yearly pledge Shout out to you Andrea W Thank you very much Shout out to you <laughs> uh, Up next we got Alicia R Alicia
3: shout out to you Thank yeah. you we praise you I got a you. question Go Are we it. allowed to play the song? I just noticed this is the song We haven't We usually don't play the song The the lyrics Yeah we do We do? It's the same song I play every time Really with the lyrics? Yes. I've never noticed that. I thought it was instrumental. No.
1: <laughs> this is literally the same thing I play every time. I don't so, know. What th- I, don't know loud, I, just, I don't know if we're I just, allowed. I just thought
3: I'd <laughs> no. <just> <laughs> know I'm
2: like, Wait,
1: Yeah, we do. So, so, allowed or not, I don't really know. But hmm. we, we do it. Okay. So, I, I don't really. What are the, who's the, what are the fucking uh, cool in the gang going to compete beat us up? I'm not concerned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, up next, we got Rebecca V. Rebecca, shout out to you. Thank you very much for the support. We appreciate you. We hope you're enjoying the um, Patreon content. Uh, up next, we got Kayla R. Kayla R. Thank you so much. Another yearly pledge. Thank you so much. You know, uh, for the, um, the confidence that you instilling us for jumping on for the on the wagon for a year. We appreciate you very much. And lastly, Cindy A. Thank you very much for your support. Um, it means an incredible amount more than you'll ever really understand. And uh, you know, yeah, you guys really keep us going in a in a way that's you know outside of just listening and all the support that comes with that. And the, you know the. Um, Apple podcasts, uh, comments and yeah. ratings and all that's great, but you know, really saying he hey here's some money out of my pocket after the fucking year that 2020 has been is um yeah. an ama- amazing compliment to us. And uh, thank you
3: all. Yeah. 2021 ain't looking too good either. Be quite honest with you. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say that. man. You
1: know, stuff's starting to open back up. You know, I mean, you know, uh, there seems to be an,
3: an an administration. Maybe for me personally, I guess I should
1: say. Oh well, please. I mean, if you'd yeah. like to speak on that or you no,
3: know. uh, I mean. Um, it's an open platform, man. It doesn't speak, speak seem tomorrow, like man. it just, <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> just, it seems like this is, we still in 2020. Well, yeah, again, I mean, I guess, I mean
1: uh, that whole thing, most of it was a joke. I think people might have took the whole thing seriously about, man, let's get out of this year. But yeah. I mean, like, there's not much difference between December 31st, 2020 and January 6th, 2021. As a matter of fact, arguably it got worse because, you know, a literal mob of terrorists stormed the Capitol building. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, but. The, the, I think the spirit was there, but realistically, once you're in 2021, you go. Oh, 2020 was like two weeks ago. Yeah.
3: So, what's well, the you know, mental game? It's the whole mental game. Yeah,
1: but yeah. like, let's let's try to feel, let's like stay optimistic, and let's see how we feel like in April. Let's get let's get a little bit more into 2021 before we we're like, it's not looking that great because it's still January. Right? Eh. You know, all right. all right. But I mean, you didn't really give any. I like the optimism. Yeah, I mean, would you? You say you feel like you're still in 2020. That's yeah. it. Was well, how don't, you don't I'm feel saying. like you don't feel any. Sense of hope? No. <laughs> 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 <All> right, man. <laughs> well, hey, man. You know, <laughs> listen, I don't fault anybody for feeling that way. I'm a major nihilist. I don't really get the point of any of the stuff that we do. You know, we do this podcast. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, we hang out. Me and you good friends. We get to hang out, have a good time, talk about some interesting things and everything yeah. like that. Really, in the grand scheme of things, like, what's the point, really? You know, like, of what? eventually, what of anything, like, eventually, we just die, oh, yeah. and you know, it's like, you know, yeah. we really want to get into that, you know. That's I don't want to buy anybody go, yeah, out. But, yeah. I don't want to go
3: th- okay. we can talk about that all night. I don't, okay.
1: Well, I'm just, but I'm right. just saying, you know, that, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what is anything really? And when you, yeah. when you, when you get over that hurdle, it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, well, man, maybe this year will suck, maybe it won't. I don't know, who gives a shit? Nobody remember this year in 20 in you know, 100 years, you know, I won't be here, exactly, maybe, but I won't be here. Friend, <laughs> you won't.
2: <laughs> I don't know, hey, You know, you think you're you know, gonna live to be
1: 129 yes, years old? Anything's possible. Not that anything's possible. Uh, you so you're drinking a Starbucks Frappuccino, yeah? And you've been snacking on, I don't know, cookies, uh, co- co- some grandma cookie cookies,
3: straws, or something like that. No, co- grandma cookies.
1: Grandma cookies, yeah. Is that the name of them? Name of grandma's cookies. No, I know famous Amos. I mean, grandma cookies. Yeah. Grandma's uh sandwich creams. I've never heard of grandma's sandwich creams in my life. But, yeah,
3: I mean. Delicious. Well, good. Well,
1: good. That's not the diet of somebody that's going to live to be 129 years old.
3: What did you just say like two seconds ago? What does does it matter? It doesn't matter, but I'm just saying,
1: I won't be here. Maybe I will. I'm just letting you know. You Uh, won't. But on that note.
3: But you don't know that.
1: You know something? Let me tell you like this. You're right, because you know why I don't know that? Because I won't be here. here. I there will. you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, keep holding it down, man. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by The Social High Five. In 2020, we all had to adapt to some very unexpected conditions. It was no different for us sports fans. We are all anxiously looking forward to the reopening of sports bars and stadiums. But COVID, flu, and other health risks will still be very real. Now, however, there's an awesome new way for fans to cheer on their team and still keep their hands germ-free. With the Social High Five. Made from a sturdy, light, and easy-to-clean styrene, the Social High Five straps to your hand with ease and allows you to hygienically hand slap after your team scores, makes a big play, and wins the big game. And I'm really excited about this product, folks. I feel like it has the potential to be the next foam finger. You know, especially coming off of the year we just had, if teams were giving these out when they start to reopen and hold people up in higher capacities, just to show a sign that they do still care about keeping everybody healthy and safe, to hand these out before games, so everybody just has a way to still interact with each other and cheer on their team, but still being able to keep themselves germ-free, I think would be a very good symbol of what sportsmanship and sports fandom will be like going forward. And I'm really excited about this product, folks. I feel like it has the potential to be the next foam finger, except it has a purpose, you know. Um, I, I think that this would be such a cool gesture for sports teams of all denominations, whatever sport is listening to this, if you were to give these out to your patrons before the games just to show a sign that, hey, I know we're opening back up, but we do still want everybody to be mindful and safe and cheer on their team, but do it in the safest way possible without trying to, you know, spread germs and, and, and get people sick. So I'm I'm – excited about this product being able to sponsor this podcast so we can get the word out there as things start to open back up and um, sports arenas start to allow people back in in some small capacity. Because people aren't going to feel 100% safe for a while. But even steps like this allow you to feel like companies are putting in proper measures and thinking about their patrons when they enter their building. Give the sports fanatic in your life a helping hand with the social high five. Just go to socialhighfive.com. That's social, H-I-G-H, the number five, dot com. The Social High Five. It's a sanitized celebration.
3: Welcome back. So my affirmative murder this week is about Theodore Edward Connies. Okay. Um, they call him the A.K.A. the Denver Spider-Man.
1: All right. Yeah.
3: Uh, I got this story from um, Murderpedia. So this was old like a, yeah, so this was um like an article somebody wrote on prisonmuseum.org. Okay. I don't have the writer's name, doesn't have it on here, but if you listen to this, shout out to you. Shout out to you. So here we go. So Theodore Edward Connie's was born November 10th, 1882. Mm. <clears throat> so 1882. Y- 1882, yes. The year was 1899, and Philip Peters had just started his career at the railroad office. Mm. He and his bride had purchased a new bungalow on a quiet street in Denver's middle north side. There was music coming from the little house. A slender youth paused to peer through the curtains of the parlor window. He carried a, ma- a mandolin. And a mandolin is a, uh, it's a little, um, like a type of guitar. A little right? guitar, right? a yeah, little mini mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. So several couples were busy strumming at the strings of the mandolins. The watching youth knew they were waiting for him to show, to show them how to how to twitch the chords, as he could do so well. So this dude was a mandolin um, expert. Expert, yep. So he was a um, like a teacher or whatever for like a class. Okay. They called him the maestro. Is what they called him. Oh, I like that. So the mandolin club was was in full swing, waiting for its maestro to show up for the newest lesson. The maestro was seventeen. Physicians from Illinois to Colorado had told him told him his hopes of seeing eighteen were practically nil. So now we're talking about, we're talking about um, Edward. Yeah. So Edward's the one is 18. Okay. So he has some type of condition where he's sick and doctors or whatever. Didn't, told him didn't like, give him
1: a long prognosis. Like, exactly. Okay.
3: He stepped up on the porch and rang the bell. There were many nights in the autumn of 1899 when the ailing youth was long with long, slender fingers mm. and feverish eyes was the only guest. When the Peters had asked him to dine with them, He told them he had not finished high school, that his mother wouldn't let him get a job, and how he was probably going to die soon anyway.
1: Oh, man. This dude's very like, fuck it.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he told them about his boyhood in Illinois and how his father died when he was an infant. He talked about wanting to swing a bat and play ball, but it was bad for his heart. Mm. How he hated people for staring and laughing at him, and that he wanted to live off by himself where he couldn't hear people mock him. So several years later, on a snowy evening when Phil Peters was leaving work, he brushed shoulders with the shabby, slender finger. It was the youth. He told Phil how his mother had lost their money to some men who talked her into selling her property in the Illinois and investing in mine out here. Mm-hmm. But they never saw them or the money again. So Peters invited... Invest
1: in a mine?
3: Uh, Yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess that could sound good in the 1890s, you know. Gold mine.
3: yeah. Just again, but how how easy is that to? It's like taking candy from a baby. Well, yeah, that's a, like, people hey, are getting
1: got with that <laughs> with um uh, uh Bitcoin. Yeah, the people, a lot of people got got was like, oh yeah, yeah, give me your money, I'll
3: invest in in Bitcoin for you. Yeah, gone, gone. Um, so yeah, but they never saw him or the money again. So Peter's invited him to dinner, and he and he relayed that he was. He was in the advertising business downtown and was taking care of his mother. The next time Philip Peters saw the one-time um, youth was in the spring of 1912. So this is the guy Peter. But he said. is he so he's
1: but he's living. He's living. Yeah,
3: he's living. He was saying that you know he didn't have a uh, long time to live, but dude,
1: he just he just described like a 10 year period. Yes, yep.
3: So he talked about his mother's death and that he just kept on living and didn't know what to do. He never told him about the time he sought. Um, sought out, he sought to get into the army and was laughed at because, because he was skinny. Yeah, I don't really understand.
1: I, like, I mean, you say he has long fingers and he has, like, sick eyes. Yeah, yeah. They um, act like he
3: looks like the Grinch or something. But that's how they was making fun of him, though. Like, he yeah. was just this ugly, pale. Yeah. Sickly. S- yeah. Skinny, frail dude. Yeah. And with a bad heart. Um, so, yeah, he tried to go into the army and they laughed at him. Um, he never talked about being a frail hobo. Coughing out his lungs in a jungle under a bridge in California. Mm. So he's a, a homeless person. He's okay. homeless, doesn't have a house. Um on so a bridge in California or of the flop house and shadows where he stayed. So he stayed wherever he could under bridges. Um he was coughing. He he was sick. He was always sick. Yeah. They never say exactly I mean, he just said he had a bad heart, but they never say exactly what he, he had or what was killing
1: him. Yeah. For him to not live that long. Probably some eighteen hundreds disease like consumption or you know, jungle lung. Yeah, you know, some shit that they they <laughs> they cured like ad like stuff that you Advil cures now. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So the year the years came and went for the once maestro, who drifted from state to state and even tried to come back as a salesman in New York, but had given up and returned to Denver in September 1941. So again, he's not dead yet. Yeah, <laughs> he's still living.
1: They said he didn't have long to live. Now we're up to like. You said 1941?
3: It's 1941, yes. It's like,
1: we're like 40 years yes. in the past, in past time.
3: <laughs> so a neighbor had been preparing dinners at her house for Phil Peters since his wife had broken her hip two weeks before and was in the hospital. But this October 1941 night, he had not shown up. The neighbor knew he had not been doing good with his wife gone and went to see if he was all right. But no one came to the door when she rang the bell and the house was dark. She gathered a group of her neighbors and they returned to the Peters house. They tried all the doors, but they were locked as well. They were locked as well as the windows, as well as the window screens. A girl found one screen loose and pried the window open and climbed inside. She entered the dark house, and then they heard her shrill, her shrill screams. Phil Peters, the kindly 73-year-old retired railroad auditor, was found murdered in the bungalow where he and his wife had lived for half a century so. Phil Peters was murdered in his house. Yes. His bungalow, if you will. His bungalow, yes. But they don't know what's going on. The doors were locked, windows were locked, except yeah. for one window they, they um, happened to get in. So when police arrived, they discovered his body in the downstairs bedroom. He was bloody, half-dressed, barefooted, and had been beaten and beaten. Long after he was dead with more than a dozen wounds to his skull. Mm.
1: So there's anger.
3: Yep. Phil probably never knew it. never knew who hit him. They found his watch and money uh, laying on the dresser, which ruled out a robbery as a motive. Mm-hmm. The front door was locked with a key and further secured with a chain, which could have only been done from inside the home. Mm. And the back door was locked as well. So the
1: person's still in the
3: house. They found two cast irons. They found two cast iron shakers in the kitchen, one with lots of dust collected on it, and the other newly cleaned, as well as a damp towel with blood stains on it. Mm. The police believe the killer to be a giant, to be giant in size and blood crazy. And he or she had vanished without a trace.
1: So the back door is locked and the front door is locked. Yep. Securely. Securely. With the chain. Phil is dead. Yep. And there's cast iron shakers in the kitchen covered in blood. Or One one of them is. One of them them was clean. One of them was clean. Wow.
3: Blood stained rag
1: was was found. I probably would have went ghost. I mean, this looks like a ghost did this. Wow. Yep.
3: So January of 1942 was a bitter cold. Was bitter cold with a temperature below zero for several for several days.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: A group of children hurried by the bungalow and reported seeing a light inside the empty house. And one neighbor reported she had seen a ghost face inside the, sh- the shadowy window. Okay. The neighborhood gossip said the house was full of haunts. Mm-hmm. But once Miss Peters recovered, she decided to return to the little house that had been her home for fifty years. One night, something startled her and she fell. Refract, refracturing her hip, her mm. thigh, she did not want to go back to the hospital, so a nurse was her constant companion. Then one night, the nurse reported that there were going that there were goings on inside the walls and rattling noises. Then an investigation disclosed nothing, but a few days later, she reported seeing a spook on the back stairs that shattered its teeth at her.
1: Well, that's um, <laughs> that's, that's racist. So.
3: She just means a ghost? Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a racial slur. And lady, just say ghost.
3: It was it was black. That's all she could see. Yeah. That's all she
2: could see. <laughs> uh,
1: it was a Negro. Yeah. Was like, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am, you can just say that it was a ghost. You don't have to put race on the ghost in some kind of weird way. It just is a ghost. Yeah, but they're
3: not that that time they not saying. <laughs> yeah. <that>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, she saw this ghost as uh a, a spook. Um at the back stairs that was uh, shattered uh, its teeth at her. She immediately quit. She <laughs> Smart like, lady. This ain't, uh, Smart lady. This ain't it. Smart lady. <laughs> so she immediately resigned, um, and a caring neighbor stepped in to take care of Miss Peters.
1: On the real. Great job. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Uh, hey, we need you to be a house sitter. Yeah, The family has multiple homes. They don't yeah. come back very often. They only use the house about one week a year. So you... Just need to live in the house, maintain it, vacuum it, pop in once a week. Whatever you do in the house between, you know, now in the summertime when we come is your business. You can come and go. You can stay here if you want. Just make sure it's clean when we come. Yep. So, pretty good deal. And mm-hmm. we pay you, too. So, you get to live in a nice house and you get paid to live in the house. Yeah. If you even think that you heard a, or, or saw a ghost, you just brush that off or are you out? Me? Yeah. Oh, I'm out of there. Yeah, I don't get that, man. It would have to be, it, but it would have to be. It would, you know, it would have to be blatant. Okay, I'm, like, not, I'm not saying like you like heard a rattling or something. I mean like the do- a door just closed, and you're like, oh, must
3: have been the wind. You open the door and then the door closes again. What I'm gonna do? Because when I when I think of stuff, like, like, <laughs> when I think of stuff like that, I go, oh, I'm gonna act like, I did. I'm didn't i not acknowledging that. Yeah. Because I don't want whatever that yeah, is. You don't want even. Wanna... Yeah, you don't even get a, <laughs> give it attention. So you, yeah, you heard it. You perk up, but yep. you're just like. I'm going to go outside and get the mail. Yeah. And then like. Just leave. Run. You see me running down. <laughs>
2: you see me. Run no, down like the, the block. You like
3: to try to
1: trick the ghosts.
3: That, yeah. Because I don't. I don't know, want them to notice that. Oh, hey, Nana yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't get much service in here. I'm going to step out on the porch. I can hear you better from out there. And then you just. Out. I think once they
3: know you acknowledge what you heard. It's assault, on. Then I. Just the door start locking and no, moving I furniture. I, I always think about. I'm not doing that. Got I'm going to go. You know, I'm going to go outside for a second. Okay. Check
1: the mail. But what is the minimum level of haunt, of spook, that is like, what is a, like, even if you go home today, what is something where you go, oh no, yeah, that, that's, that was a ghost?
3: Um,
1: like, minimum level, door slamming shut, something falling off a counter, what is like?
3: It would have to power be the door slamming shut.
1: Yeah, I have a low threshold, yeah. but door slamming is like, yeah, no, we're out of here. If I heard like a, <laughs> you're crazy, and I look outside and Jade's car isn't outside, yeah. I'm home alone, Sierra's at work, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm going to my mom's house. I'm, I'm out Sierra. I, I don't know. We'll have to sell the house, but yeah. I'm, I'm not coming back there. Yeah, that, If I heard of voices, I'm like, no, I'm I'm done.
3: That's it. That's I'm, not not, a, I'm not walking back
1: in that house. No, no I'm, out, I'm out of here. I'm putting Bella on the leash. I'm getting Theodore. We're, we're gone. Sierra, you can come there. Get your stuff if you need to, but I'll be at my mom's house. Yeah,
3: voices, Nah, I'm not with that. Voices is like peak.
1: Yes. Now, like actually seeing peaked. something is like... <laughs> I'm burning the I'm house. To- <laughs> <laughs> this house is just is, it's on a burial ground of some kind. There's, uh, this is, I'm burning this down. <laughs> that's, that's. You burn the house down? Yeah, it's gone. I, I can't, I can't risk somebody else being in, in involved in this haunting. I don't want to pass it on to somebody else. I mean, what, what, we,
3: like, what do we have to be though? What would you have to see visually to go? Yeah, that I just, like a man in a trench coat just, wearing a top hat. You know, cause you like ghost, just standing there. Yeah,
1: the ghosts are always random. Yeah, there's always yeah, something yeah. like a colonial yeah. boy yeah. or like a, you know like a woman dressed in a circus costume. It's yeah. always something where you go. Oh, something weird happened here when you died.
3: I think it's kids that 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 will. Oh yeah, no. Oh yeah, no, no, no. uh, Like laughing or like playing, saying "Ring, Run, Rosie." Oh shit, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. no, no. I walk out into the living room. There's like a a little girl
1: playing hopscotch. Yeah. Oh fuck this house. I'm, I'm I'm opening. I'm turning on all the gas pilots. And then I'm gonna put a candle by the doorstep, and I'm like, the gas will get to here eventually, and just blow the whole thing up. I'm gonna give it plenty of time to get <laughs> out of here, and I'm, I'm out of here.
3: So you going you you gonna you gonna take down, do all that? I'm going out the window. I might go out this window. No, I have to make sure I <laughs> the the haunt stops with me.
1: No one will ever experience this evil again. I have to do the good deed. I burn, I'm blowing the whole house. up. I don't off. know,
3: man. It, after paranormal activity, it was like they moved. I think one of the movies they moved. Yeah, and it followed them to the new house. Yeah. That bothers me. Well, that's because that fucking bitch, Katie. It was oh, her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She was the yeah. ghost. <laughs>
1: yeah, <that's laughs> she right. was. She was possessed. See, that's why paranormal. Good point. You bring that up. Yeah. My first instinct is, burn the blow the house up. But then I need to make sure that everybody around me in my circle is pure, and I'm not. We are not. Yeah, it's not attached to us. Yeah, true. So I'm gonna get an exorcism on Sierra. Yeah, and you know we'll go from there. But I think. If I saw a ghost in here, it would, it's the house. Yeah. I don't think Sierra has tricked me and is, like, planning on sacrificing me and it's been a long game to, you know, put her her um grandfather's soul in my body or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't think that's the case, luckily. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm blowing the whole house up. If I see a ghost, it's a wrap. Gone. Yeah. I hear a ghost, I can put this on the open market. I can still put this on Zillow.
3: Yeah. I'll sell it if I hear a ghost. But if I see a ghost, nah. Whole house is gone. you know, when we bought our house, I asked uh, my realtor who was the next lady, I, asked what? Her, I, asked, I asked her about are there ghosts? No, no, no not ghosts, I asked her about murders. I'm like, Do you do, are you guys supposed to um let people disclose know that, disclose that there was a murder? And he was like, We don't have to, yeah, like, hmm, okay, yeah.
1: And then she left it at that, yeah. Like, so, it. anyway, the kitchen's here, is like, That means there was something like, <laughs> that's not the answer you would get, like. I mean I would absolutely That's what you want to hear Like oh we would tell you It's like Yeah Do, we, do you have to tell us that say, No We don't have we to, don't have to uh, do that at all So anyway If you sign right like, here mm, mm, I don't know about that one I don't know uh, That's that not the answer you want man <laughs> Just start asking about ghosts
3: like, So what like What about yeah, so What's uh, like your ghosts? ghost policy <laughs> yeah.
1: So if, like within 30 days If I see a ghost Do I get to like, You know you do, like, do, Can fucking I get crazy. my escrow back Or like um No You can't There's no ghost okay, ghosts. What's the
3: ghost clause Is that a ghost clause <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, um, the maid, uh, the the caretaker quit because mm-hmm. you know she saw yeah. a ghost, a spook, a spook. I'm sorry, a spook. So several days later, the neighbors believe. Um, okay. So, um, yeah. So she quit, and Mrs. What was her name again? I'm sorry, Mrs. Peters. Uh huh. Um, neighbors started taking care of her. Started to take so stepped in to take care of Miss Peters. Yeah. So several Phil's days. Phil's wife. Phil's wife. Yes. So several days later, the neighbor believes she heard a mysterious noise, and without turning on the light, hurried to the kitchen to inve- to investigate. Which I'm not. doing. So the
1: neighbor is in the house taking care of yes. M- M- Marie Miss Peters Miss Peters Miss Peters
3: and he hears something. The neighbor, he or she, whoever it is, hears And just noise. goes like and goes running. to go. Who okay, needs I'm lights? I'm running to go see what this is. I'm always intrigued by when people are like, "I'm gonna go towards the thing that just scared me." Well, what are you? What are you planning on doing? I don't know. Like, are they trying? My instinct is to run away. That's what I think. Unless they're trying to be like a peacock and like, you know, well, I'm this, a, is, hey. this is this yeah. is my house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, best case scenario, it's a burglar. Show my feathers. This is this yeah, is my yeah. house. I'm not standing down. Whoever's in here is gonna have problems. I'm not doing that, man. <laughs> I don't want them to know that I know <laughs> I heard them. I don't know. Oh, ghost or person, don't matter. <laughs> I'm going shit something in
1: here. Man, something must have fell in the kit that's just, yep. something must have fell in the kitchen. Yep. That's you weird. Go, you, you meet the TV, you
3: go look you looked in the hallway. <laughs> if I hear something else, then yeah. I'll, I'll react. Round two is when you yeah, that's when it's time to move. <laughs> I'll react. <laughs> um so yeah, so she he or she heard a noise, ran to the kitchen. Right to it. Um didn't even turn the lights. Didn't turn the lights, ran to it to see what it was. So where she saw a ghost at the front of the stairs, oh yeah, she said, um, to the kitchen, investigate where she saw a ghost at the front, at the foot of the stairs. Mm. She told investigators it was a it would a it, it was a filthy, wraith like thing that mm. vanished when she screamed, and she didn't know where it went. Vanished. Okay. Yep. So the police decided to keep watch on the house at um, relatives' um, um, wishes. They go, hey, yeah, can you guys watch? Because Miss Peters the is the still in there. Jesus. So Miss Peters leaves. She leaves the house. Oh, she went good. to go live with her son in Western Colorado. Good. So the house is vacant now. Yeah, and it's, it's cops outside. Just keep uh, an eye on. Keep it. an eye on the house. So it was now July 1942, and two men from the Denver Police Police Department were stationed on a lookout um, across the street from the house. The sun was getting low as the postman comes down the street making his deliveries. The men had been watching um, him when no one. What is it? The men had been watching him when none, when, none, when one of them caught a, a fleeting glimpse of a hobgoblin face momentarily in the um, the curtains of the bungalow. So, postman comes down the street. As the postman comes down the street, they see somebody like in the window peek open the curtains or in the window mm. see a face. Then it goes away, right? So, elbowing the other man, he caught the move. He caught the movement in the window. Experienced a little chill. That ain't happening. It's a little chill in the back of their neck and in their guts. A little silly, he thought.
2: Yeah.
3: Ghosts have a way of doing that to you. Apparently, the figure at the window was also watching the postman. So, what is the police officer supposed to do?
1: Go in and they fight go the go ghost?
3: In. Yeah. That's their, I mean. This is reminding you, you ever watch
1: Scare Tactics? Yeah. That show is so funny because they film it like. They film it, like, in western Colorado. They don't film it in Hollywood where you would go, maybe I'm on a TV show right now. They film it somewhere where TV shows don't go. Right. So you always get to see somebody processing, like, is this a chupacabra? Like... I'm in a laboratory yeah. And a trooper copper Just got out of this box And killed the guy That brought me here Yeah Like you see the wheels spinning Yeah So there's be a, On a stakeout As a police officer And you're like I don't know We got assigned this duty The lady said There's a ghost in the house. Whatever man We get to eat donuts And chill out here yep. Whatever And then you see the ghost mm-hmm. Now you really have to process Like Oh shit No fucking go way in. It's a fucking ghost It's a ghost in there, in there
3: yeah. <laughs> 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 Like oh this is real <laughs> now, they, now they have to go in there This yeah. is part of the job is what they hard to do So they, now they have to go so the two policemen take off across the street as one of the uh, as one of them blowing the whistle between his teeth for assistance. To who? What, what assistance? I don't know. You are I guess the Neighbors assistants. or whatever. I don't know. I'm just trying to get people's attention. The face in the window had vanished as their shoulders hit the door and it collapsed. The furniture was still swathed in sheets. Old magazines lay on the table and above the piano, a late 19th portrait was displayed. Mm. A frail, sickly-looking youth in a turtleneck sweater sat in the foreground holding a mandolin.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ.
3: The two men began to search the lower level with... I'm getting goosebumps. The two men began to search the lower level with hackles... Wait, are you saying that's, that was the picture? It's the picture. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so the two just, the pic- just They walk to the in the, the the picture looks. They walk past the picture, and the picture looks at them. Oh, this is creepy as shit, man.
2: <laughs> the two men begin
3: to search the lower level. The lower level. Um, so they look through the rooms. Uh, some of the rooms were reeked. They reeked with a with a strange animal smell. Mm. More men were arriving as the two headed up to the stairs just in time to see a closet door swinging shut across the room.
2: Mm.
3: As one of the men opened the closet, he saw two bare feet kicking violently. Mm. Above the feet, Above the feet were the lower ends of what appeared to be the most ragged pair of trousers in the world. Mm. The cop made a flying grab for a pants leg, but it ripped off in his hand. He grabbed one dangling foot with both hands and hung on. The closet was so small no one else could help him. Mm. He gave a hearty wrench at the ankle and it touched and it touched of and a ghostly yell of pain in the attic above the closet. Five minutes later, a scarecrow of a man, his clothing in tatters and unsurfably filthy, his feet bare, his hair a noisome tangle, mm. lay outstretched on the bedroom floor. He was unconscious. He had fainted as a struggling officer in the closet had withdrawn him from the hole in the ceiling. The police captain ordered them to get a doctor and an ambulance as the man was barely alive. Mm. Looked like he was starved. It was a hole not quite three times the size of of a cigar box lid. This is a small hole. That's the hole. hole he was trying to crawl this through. A small hole. Oh. This the hole that he's been crawling through. Oh Jesus Christ. When one of the men attempted to get himself through, he found the hole was not big enough and the room and the room in the attic was but a few sizes larger than a coffin. Oh geez. A small shining bulb hung from a wire in the rafters and had an overpowering animal stench in the air. He could make out a bed. He could make out a bed made of an old ironing board. Tattered magazines lay among the bedding, and in the cubicle hung festoons of spiderwebs.
1: Mm, probably a shit bucket in there somewhere too. Yep.
3: Once wow. the man had regained consciousness, he he was taken to police headquarters. There, the frail, starving man told his story as he was um given he, he was showering, showering him with food. Everything we have been all everything would have been all right. This this is him speaking. Oh, Jesus Christ. Everything would have been all right. And Phil Peters would be here alive today if he hadn't caught me robbing the icebox. It was him or me. I thought he had he had gone out, but he was taking a nap. I hit him with the stove shaker when he tried to run for help. Mm. I don't know if he recognized me. It was only nearly, nearly 30 years since he'd seen me last. When it was over, I ran to the attic oh. after I washed and dried the shaker. I was sitting on it I was sitting on the tramp door when you when you were pounding on it from below that night you found him. Mm. I was in the neighborhood in September 1941 And found the house Unlocked No one home I went in Stole some food And I was in bad shape My lungs were My lungs were giving me A lot of trouble And I was at the end Of my road Fall was coming Fall was coming on And I couldn't face Another winter on the road I had to have a place to stay I didn't know Mrs. Peters was in a hospital I found the hole In the closet Climbed through And slept and slept Just moved in With these So things. this guy Just fucking moved in Got walked in the house, food. He's homeless. He's sick. Think about how many noises Mr. Peters probably Yes. because you hear like, oh my goodness, Ear. no way, creaky steps and shit. Like you're like oh, a squirrel because it wasn't a lot of space where this guy was staying. Yeah, so definitely rattling. He had to around. move around, and Mr. Yeah. Peters was like, yeah, maybe it's just something. I don't know, raccoon. Yep. So whenever I heard him downstairs, I kept real still. Then that got bolder and used to shadow him from room to room. Now that takes it, see, Weird. you know what? I
1: mean, crazy. One, already he murdered him, so he's a disgusting piece of shit. But now when you're like stalking people and watching them from the shadows, it went from you being like, you know, this dude's homeless, he's just trying to survive, to now you're doing something creepy. Yeah. Now you're making peepholes and shit to look throughout the house and follow people. Now you take it somewhere dark. Yeah. It already was dark. This is terrifying. Yeah. But when you take it from, I just stay in here when they're home. I just need a place to stay. It's cold outside. Then you go, shaving, huh? Let's see what's going on over there. Yeah. That's when it gets weird. Oh, are they having sex? You know, like that's creepy. Yep.
3: It was sort of a game. It gave me a thrill. It was the first time in my life I have ever had anyone at my mercy. But I Uh. didn't want to hurt him. It was miserable. It was miserably hot in the summer. And my feet froze in the dead. In the dead of the winter, in the attic. How long was he there? He was there for a while. He was there. Seasons. He was yeah. He was there for um a while before Mister Peters. And then when he ended up killing him, he was there for he was there for a good amount of time. After yeah.
1: Another that. a worker came. Yep. Mrs. P- Mrs. Peters left. Yep. Well, he was there for so
3: long. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you why I stuck it out. I guess it was mostly because because it was uh, a world all of my own. I used to go down, look out the windows, and watch the postman come by. Nobody's writ nobody's written to me in twenty five years. Whenever I saw people on the street, I hated them and would go back into my attic. Mm. This paled, um, little five ten, hundred thirty seven pound man. Little That is a terrifying <laughs> so he's like five ten, hundred pounds. He's yeah, skinny sick. Oh. Yeah. Now with all um past now well past sixty, sat in a spacious room on the sunny side of the forbidding building. There were a high wall outside, a wall, a wall along which men with guns walked. So this is the prison. There were bars at the windows, and there were hundreds of books on the shelves around him. The long, thin, spidery fingers that once plucked uh. the strings of a mandolin was the prison librarian. There was no hurry as he leisurely reached for books while serving his life sentence. He was in his new jungle, safe from the onslaught of what the world, onslaught of the world he hated. Theodore Edward Cooney's, also known as Matthew Carnage, had found his place. He entered the prison on November eighteenth, nineteen forty-two, and died in the prison hospital on May sixteenth, nineteen
1: sixty-seven. He lived another twenty plus years in prison. Twenty plus years.
3: Now, when I read this story, I I remember. uh, So he was old in the house. So he was a skinny old man. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's terrifying.
3: Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing a story about a guy that was like living in the attic Uh and was like making drilling holes in the wall and shit like that yeah and then when you like look it up on google it's so many stories of people just like living in living in people's houses. attics and not knowing like when i saw a guy died in the attic and he was like what the fuck is that smell oh and it was like it was one where the lady said the guy caught up there was living up there for a while it just it stinked and one of her vents had like um she saw like eyes one time in the vents and like one time, no. and then like he was—he no. died for a while, right? No. So maggots—it was maggots falling from the vent. So she saw eyes of a dead person. It wasn't like she saw eyes. And I, then, don't and it, oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus. Like Christ. maggots was falling from the vent because he was up there. Oh. I, I was like, you see eyes in. Nah, bro. No. No. That's what no, I'm saying. No, That's no, why no, I'm no, no. like, it had to be. That had to be the day she went up there. Like you dead see eyes. eyes. You see like little if white. She, if I
1: see eyes and they like, and then they like dart away. Oh my God. Oh no! I'm like, oh, I'm out of here. No, I was, that was this has been nice. We cut this episode of uh, <laughs> Fleabag off, and I'm getting the fuck up out of here. This is the last day, I stay in this that house. That is creepy as shit. That's man. terrifying. You ever seen the movie The Boy? No. It's just really, it it's uh, a it's nana? one, it's it's a, uh, it, it's a movie. I'll I'll spoil it, um, because who cares? It's a movie where the people live at the house and they, um, hire uh like a nanny mm-hmm. to watch their son. Yeah, and she gets there and the son is a puppet. Oh, and so shit. she's like, okay, hey man, they're paying me good money, whatever, no, this is what they want me to do, whatever. No. no, so, no, uh, no so you no, just no. have to already go like, they're creepy, yeah. whatever. And then she finds out like, their son, no, oh, he died, and this, that, and the third. The, the big spoiler plot of the movie at the end of it, because stuff is happening, stuff's getting moved, and yeah. she's like, is this fucking puppet alive? But the spoiler is, their son didn't die. He lives in the walls of the house. Shit. So now it's like just this grown man who wears the, the mask of the little boy doll. Like, it's the same puppet. Like, the puppet looks like a little clean-cut little boy. Yeah. And then there's like a grown man who wears a puppet mask who like slithers through the walls of the house going from room to room and spying on her and everything like that. And she, that's the big plot twist at the end is like, oh, it's not a ghost movie. It's a, it's a killer movie. He's crazy. What? The boy. It's a it's a it's a fun bad movie. It reminds me
3: of a show. Remember the show I was telling you about that's like, on like Apple TV Plus. Yeah, with yeah the I little, Remember you told me you watched it. I didn't doll. watch it. Yeah, I didn't. I just saw it because it was like a trial. So I didn't it's saw like a second episode. season of the show. So it must is be. Is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. That shit was crazy. I was like, I'm not watching it. It was shit. too creepy. <laughs> nah, man. I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> they were like that. They were like, "This like, is our son Jacob," tick, and it was tick, like a doll. Tick, watch him. Why go to the bathroom? And it's a toy. And then like the camera goes over. It's like a baby doll. I was like, what the? And the guy's like. I have to just play, play along. Oh, so the husband's like, the I husband's know, like, I know it's a doll. Yeah. Oh, because okay. it was like the yeah, baby died, so it was just no, like see, that's, no, that's, that. Yeah, that yeah, comforted yeah. her, so he was just like, I gotta play along. That's a tough one. I don't know about but that. But the one.
1: boy is very similar to this, where it's like, it's a boy, a, a man living in the see. in between the walls of the house that's, and going in the attic and right. stuff, and the parents are just pretending like he's the doll. Yeah. But, I'm like, but, I gotta go
3: to my car and that'll be it.
1: Yeah. That'd be it. That and I'm, you're, you're like you're talking about day one, right? Where you go <laughs> oh, and they're like, I, yes. I walk in there and they're like, this is him. This, I'm like,
3: this is Sebastian. Let me take. A, I gotta go to my car to get my. <laughs> She's just like up. he's like in a little chair, just, like just a stiff.
1: No. I'm like oh no. okay, I left my suitcase. No,
3: it ain't done. None. I'm not. No, ain't no. No.
1: Yeah, I can't humor um, lunacy. That's there is no. Oh, so they pay me. No. Yeah, there ain't none of that?
3: Because like, oh,
1: did he eat? Because you got to answer those questions. Like, oh man, he wasn't really hungry this morning. Did he eat lunch? And you got to go. Yeah. I'm like, I I feel terrified to sleep in this house because yeah. I think they're going to kill me. I w- it wouldn't even get that far. They're like, you're our son now. You know, like, because eventually that's where my head goes. Like, oh, they're going to try to keep me here and yeah. make me their son. Yeah. So I'm, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not humoring these people. I can't humor that.
3: That is nuts. Man. <laughs> that's fucking creepy as shit. That? This is, this is really happened. This is creepy.
1: <laughs> the painting thing, fuck me yeah, up. That, that took my mind to all kinds of places. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's, it, it was, the painting was his eyes. Was yeah. like. Look darted over to the people the, de- the detectives
3: Yeah man For this guy to Kill this guy on accident Just cause he was caught And it was like I don't have I don't have any other place to go Yeah that's why
1: both the doors were locked And you know It looked like a, You know they couldn't yeah. even So they They never even really solved it They were like We don't know what we happened We don't know what
3: here. the fuck happened But it's it a the ghost house. It's a ghost in there somewhere
1: <laughs> They all just sounded like They conceded to that
3: Yeah it was a ghost Look at what you could get
1: away with In the 1940s now somebody's ring doorbell. He got away from it for a while. He, yeah. If he
3: wasn't watching the postman, he'd have been fine. But he liked watching postman every day. It was like he. It was like he. He just needed some went kind downstairs of contact, some kind of social contact. to go watch the postman, knowing nobody's writing him. Nobody yeah. even know you're. Nobody even knows you're there. Oh, is that what and you then, think? It? Oh, that's sad. He's yeah, like, he said nobody. Maybe they brought me a letter. To yeah, nobody. Him. Him. He said nobody wrote me oh, in 25 years. And he that's was like, sad. and then. Well, why he, would they be bringing it to these people's house? You don't live there. I don't know. <laughs> and then he watched the postman and then see the kids outside and go, I hate, I hate this world. And then goes up back into his attic.
1: Like the Hunchback of Notre Dame.
3: That's crazy, man. I don't even know. Stories like that creep me out. That's the shit. You go home, you go. Make you yeah, egg, yeah, and yeah. then like after parental activity, it was just just weird. Oh and man, start seeing shit all over the place. Then you had like a fingerprint on your card. We talked about this, right?
1: You were we. It was me, you, and two ladies. Yeah, and when we left the movie theater, yeah, you know the, it was a like a fall. So yeah. there was so you turned the defrosters on, and yeah, it, we I had two hands. Almost it looked like somebody crawled up my car <laughs> so that's what happened and then as i was driving so in the moment you're scared yeah, but now looking back i'm like some fucking shiesty fucking shitty teenage moviegoer crawled yeah. up on my car probably you know but in the moment i was like oh that's a demon yeah. a demon crawled up my car yeah and coming off of that movie man you know not that we've already been tangent in, in this episode, Sorry. but this 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 story is worthy of it because yeah, it yeah, yeah, takes you all sure. kind of creepy shit you can't replicate Paranormal activity you in remember, the movie it, theater. You can't remember seeing
3: it the first time. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. That it was terrifying. That was terrifying. It was, was, terrifying. It
1: was, it was weird. The whole That whole camera thing hadn't really been a thing much since Blair Witch Project. And then it started the kind of slow. But then when see, shit kicked off, you were like, oh, this shit is real.
3: It, that, that's, that's the part. Of, the whole camera shit was like, it was a homemade video. Yeah.
1: It, it got played out real quick, like oh, that sure. type yeah, of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but was that good. was like the first one that really did it crazy. and you can't replicate seeing that in the movie no. theater with a bunch of people especially a bunch of black people so it was a scene where the oh my they God. were like man, they like thought they heard something so they were in the living room this is the scariest moment in paranormal activity they thought they heard something so they got up and went down to the living room and they're like oh I guess it was nothing and then they start to go back and stuff and you like ah Boom! The, new, and the, oh and the chandelier. God. Oh, I was like, oh. There was people like, oh my god! Like you just hear <laughs> That all boom, the, man. Oh my god! I, all the yells from within that. the movie theater, from the front, the behind that. you, next to you. Like, oh hell no! And, and you just can't. That, you can't. You can't duplicate that, man. The, it,
3: the big bang noises. It was. It was. Insane. Or when they went
1: into the kitchen and all the stuff was gone, but it, it was, was on slowly, the ceiling. Oh my
3: god, man! <laughs> that movie. That movie was. That movie terrified me for days. Oh, it was man. so
1: fucked up. Oh man. my god! But you know something? I could watch that movie right now on this TV. It just, it just—you had to. It was that. It was a moment. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. not scary
3: now. Yeah, the point—the part that scared me was him just standing. The, the oh, standing. Oh her! No her. her! She stood over me for like, the whole for like night. eight hours. That's it, terrifying. As you being me. asleep and somebody standing watching you. For I, feel like eight I, feel hours. Like I feel like I could feel that. Oh my god,
1: man! If I, listen, I don't even. It's starting to but, creep but me out. But the if, thing about—if I woke up and Sierra was like standing over me. With her eyes open, I'm like, what are you doing? And yeah. she just didn't say anything. Like she's in like a Sophie trance. did it the
3: other day. No, I stop. I swear to God, I swear. Cause she what cause what Sophie do is we play, we give her twinkle twinkle, right? Uh-huh. We play the music on her phone, so she can't sleep without it. So if the phone dies, she wakes up. Yeah. So I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm asleep. This is the other day. I'm asleep, right? So I'll just turn over. And Sophie just turned there. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I said, what the hell? <laughs> I swear to God, right? All my stuff. You see her? She just stands. I was like, "Sophie, what are you doing?" She's like, "I want a twinkle, twinkle." I'm like, "Girl, go lay down." I was scared as shit, man.
0: Oh my god,
3: man! What are you doing? I was scared. I swear, man. I was, she does it. She sometimes you can hear, it, but that day I was scared yeah. as shit, man. I was like, "You don't expect to wake up and doing? see oh, look, like, just looking she, at she you." She just standing there, and I was like, and I'm thinking like. She's not scared. It's dark in here, so she's not scared just standing here. I
1: mean, she was trying to hear Twinkle Twinkle, oh man. God, Wake your bitch ass up and put this, put this song back on, man. <laughs> Never forget, man. Woo! Yeah, man. My goodness, man. Yeah, this story really makes your head <laughs> makes your head go places, you know? God. It's terrifying. Somebody man. just looking at you through the walls of your house. Jesus Christ. Check your addicts, people. Check yeah. your addicts. Well, rest in peace to Mr. Phillips. Mr. Philip Peters. Mr. Philip Peters. Yes. And um, his wife, she left. Yeah, she got out of here. Okay. There. Well, Good. Man, tragic. So, it's it's hard because, like, I understand it's hard. If, you know, you know, especially times like this. It's hard times. You know, people need help and things like that. But it got dark. This got dark. You can't do this. If you need help, go to a shelter or something like that. You can't yeah. just go move into somebody's house. Yeah. And then when you get caught, he murdered him. So that's where my sympathy it goes yeah. away. He's just yeah, yeah. he's this is a dark dude. He ha- he's disturbed. Jesus.
3: That's terrifying, man.
1: But geez, how desperate to yeah. be able to go that far and be to do to death to
3: live in the. A... He said he wasn't. He couldn't do another winter in the streets, man.
1: I, and I don't know what that's like.
3: Right, I don't know what it's like. But it I was it was worth that. She's like, I can't. I would rather my feet freeze in in here than to be out and freeze to death in the street. Mm. It's fucked up, man. man real shit. It's fucked up. Real shit. All right, Probably just had to ask, man. Say, yeah, I that's need
1: somewhere just,
2: to stay.
3: Yeah, but you know some. <laughs>
1: People say that. Like, that's always an easy cop-out. When yeah, Like, if if yeah. I caught somebody stealing from my house, I'm like, you should have said something, man. If you needed something, I'd give it to you. But I probably wouldn't. Probably I wouldn't. probably wouldn't. Uh, probably,
2: probably
1: not. <laughs> I probably wouldn't give it to Hey, man, listen, I need like $250. Ah, man, I wish. I wish. I'd, I. If I had it, if I had it, that's my favorite line. If I had it, you know, you got it. You got it, yeah. You know, if I had it, you got
3: it. But I want to know if he was, like, checking doors or if he was, like, checking other houses on the block, just going around... Well, I feel like he, you know they they have a history, so I feel like he
1: probably knew where he I lived, he lived at. and then, but he might have tried other houses.
3: That's why the, you know, their doors happen to be unlocked. So don't, like,
1: we don't. Luckily, I hope people have realized we don't live in those times anymore. We don't live in those times anymore. Where it's just like I live in a neighborhood where I, we don't we don't lock doors around here. You better lock all your shit up. Yeah, it's not those times anymore. People I don't go know, around. People at work a
3: lot. A lot of people during the winter time now. I'm I'm, sh- I'm pretty surprised, but. A lot of people leave their like doors open, like they got
2: yeah the
1: summertime,
3: but they're like being the living room. But yeah. yeah,
2: that's different. Still, I'm
3: saying go to
1: bed. People, some people used to go to bed and just Let like the door open, yeah, locked. Mm-hmm. I mean, unlocked, unlocked, not open. Just don't even. I feel lock like it. If I see a door open, I just assume the person's like right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's bold. If you're just like, I'm gonna go break I'm into this state. house to just open the doors open. Just I walk, have to just walking in. There. Yeah, I assume they're just sitting in the living room, the living room right there. So, but uh, like a uh, people going by, like you know, popping door knobs or tw- twisting door knobs at homes or yeah. popping door handles on cars yeah. people do that every day i don't know how many times me and sierra probably been sleeping somebody just went tch, tch, tch. just just try it out you don't know back door front door you just, you just don't know what that's happens great. when you sleep that's great so lock your doors man yeah because you might forget to lock your doors somebody's like if somebody's desperate enough to go in your backyard go up your steps and twist the doorknob and it opens they're gonna go in the house i mean just they're not gonna be like oh shit i didn't think this it would go this far they're going in the house yeah and then from there you don't know who's in your house so just lock your doors man Because somebody breaking in is different. There are people desperate enough to just go. I'm just gonna try this doorknob, see what happens. Yeah. And if it opens, they go in. Who they going in, and who knows what happens from there? Yeah, is that it? Yeah, man. That was it. That shit was terrible. Oh my god. It's like a fucking movie. Uh, What we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back, friend. Uh, my affirmative murder this, sto- this week is a story that I found out about around the time that Breonna Taylor was killed, um, and uh, I wanted to just touch on it this week because the similarities are pretty uh, startling, and uh, Breonna Taylor's from Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. and because of her tragic murder by those police officers... Um, They have changed the laws of the no-knock warrants there in Louisville, Kentucky, but I don't think that that's a nationwide ban. Why isn't it? That's that's a good question. Well, the reason that um, police departments have no-knock warrants is to make sure that they catch people with drugs in hand because dope on the table is how people get promotions. It's the whole war on drugs, man. It's, It's something I'm staunchly against. I think that it doesn't. It's a failed war that has only put people in prison and created this us versus them mentality with police and the communities. And um, everything's about pull a dude over, pull a person over, you know, get probable cause, search the car, find drugs. Like that is that is the job of an inner city police officer in the last thirty plus years. Mm. You know, traffic stop. Hey man, uh, you know, you weren't drinking tonight or smoking tonight, were you? No. Yes. No. But their their job is to find probable cause if they believe that there's drugs in the car and find drugs. That is that's the role. Yeah. And so because of that, they tend to they will leave their like if they live in like if a, a police officer is working in a district that doesn't have a high crime rate, mm-hmm. they will go to a neighborhood that they, you know, know is likely that they'll find drugs. They'll leave their post to go get their number somewhere else. So that's why you know you have all these statistics about uh you know white people smoke just as much weed as black people but black people get busted for more yeah because they're going to black neighborhoods to bust people yeah because it's like a it's a self fulfilling prophecy yeah it's
3: like it's weird some days you go like the other day me and stuff was driving and um it's one of the days where you go every car and you miss police vo- everywhere like what the yeah. hell mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
3: that's just it's so weird it's like it's random. He's like, "Well, everybody getting pulled over today. What's going on?" Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna go home. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's I stay home. I, it's never a go home yeah. for me. I'm just always home. That's, you. That's it's that. It's that meme with a dude pointing to his finger, like, "You never gotta go home yeah. if you're always home." Yeah. You know. Boom. <laughs> cool. it's, it's just it's that science. Uh. So anyway, yeah. This is the story of Catherine Johnson. My sources are nine news and and dot uh, uh, <clears throat> org. On the Tuesday before Thanksgiving in 2006, Atlanta Narcotics officers Greg Jr., Jason Smith, and Arthur Tesler were under pressure to meet quotas for arrests and warrants. Officer Smith says that he was alone in the woods at about 2 p.m. when he was when he found some baggies of marijuana and put them in his patrol car. Later, when officers searched suspected drug dealer Fabian Sheets and found no drugs, Officer Smith Planted baggies of marijuana from his patrol car on Mister Sheets. Yeah, that scares me. Yeah, and there's a lot of cases of this because they have quotas to meet. It's it's self fulfilling. The war on drugs has created this pro, this this self fulfilling prophecy of like, well, we got to find drugs. So if we don't find drugs, this guy has a record, or we think he has a record. So I'm we'll about to put- say, do they
3: do that with people that have a history? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or they they do sometimes they do it with guys that don't have a history, and then they get sued, and these people get. Moved around because they when they they win their their case eventually and they get you know who
3: get who win the case. There's people who
1: were unjust unjustifiably oh, yeah, yeah. you know arrested, but most of the times they can't prove it. Think about what you do. Think about what court is like. You're going to, you're going to like it's an away game. Yeah, you know the officer knows the judge. The judge knows the, the police department sergeant. All this kind of stuff, and they go, yeah, man, come on, I'm a cop. I wouldn't do this, that, and the third. You ever so, been
3: to court for like some type of traffic thing?
1: Traffic, yeah, yeah. yeah I I, just not to get off topic, but yeah, one time, listen, I felt like I was in that bitch, like Annalise Keating from uh, How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> I was at, I was, I, I work at a port, so there's stop signs in the port, so there's yeah. like, there's like a traffic setup, but nobody really follows the shit. It's like you know, you roll and stop the stop signs, you you run the lights sometimes because it's just like, it's, you know, you never been to Disney World, right? Yeah, I've been to Disney World. Okay, well, you know, Disney World has like, it's like its own city. Yeah, they got their own buses and everything. Yeah. So, but so. I know they stop at the stop signs and shit, but when it's closed, they don't. Like if yeah. it's just an uh, employee, yeah, yeah, they're like red lights. This is all fake. Like this yeah. is not, you know. So that's how we treat it, really. So a police officer was behind me. I didn't pay attention. So I rolled, I rolled a stop sign, and made a left. Mm-hmm. And then there's another stop sign, but there's a container that kind of blocks it a little bit. Yeah. If you, but if you know the stop signs there, you know the stop signs there. I ran. I went through that one too because yeah. it's just like what you do. He pulled me over. He told me, I. I didn't, I didn't write you a ticket for the first stop sign, but I wrote you a ticket for the second one. Okay. And he gave me like, it was like points. It was like all the shit. It wasn't like a just a ticket. It was yeah. like one hundred and twenty dollars points and all the shit. It was. I was like, damn. So I had to go fight yeah. it. I was like, this shit is crazy. So because it was, you know, you ever get a, I don't know if you ever got a ticket where you go, oh, this is crazy. This shit is. You gave me everything. How you can't give me the points and money? Yeah. So he gave me the points and money. So I was like, I got to go fight this and try to get the points dropped. So my mom was like, you got to try to get the points dropped or something. Right. So I'll go to court. I went in there. I had a, you know, I had a tie on and pants. You yeah, had Oh, yeah. I, not, not the jacket, but I went in there like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to, I'm about to put on the show. Uh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they call my case number. I go up and I go, uh, yes, hello, Your Honor. Uh, so, uh and so, but for one, here's the big thing. The officer, the officer, it didn't look like he was there. Yeah. So. I thought, I thought they were just going to throw the case yeah. out, right? <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the officer ended up showing up late.
2: So I was yeah, like, okay. shit.
1: I was like this close. He, was, he wasn't there. Yeah. And he ended up showing up late. So then he comes up there, and I go, so I was like, damn. But I already had my argument. I've been, I've been planning on this for like a month now. So I go, yes, um, hello, Your Honor. So uh, the officer told me that he didn't give me a ticket for the first stop sign, mm-hmm. which is fine. The second stop sign, there's a container right there, and it's blocking the stop sign. So you can't really see the stop sign. So I just didn't even really know it was there. Yeah. And then, so the, the judge asked the, the officer, is this true? And he goes, yeah, there's a, there's a container there. Um. So yeah, that is true. So in my mind, I'm like, "Got his ass. Yeah. <laughs> got him. I was like, <laughs> rip it up. Ribbity rip. I was like, Oh, I got him. But he just said, it's a, it's a, it's an obstructive view on the stop sign. Yeah. The judge. So I was like, oh, I got him. The judge goes, how long have you been working down there? Oh, nope. I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like a couple years. He uh, goes, so then you knew, you knew the stop sign was there. Then, right? I go, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I knew the stop sign was there. So, in long story short, he threw the points out, and I had to pay the money. But I was like, I got him. Yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like you shouldn't get to the judge shouldn't get to go ask another question. Yeah. Like his argument fell apart. It doesn't matter how long I've been working down. Two against one. <laughs> that's just a small. That's a small set.
3: That's, that's that's traffic court. <laughs> That's traffic course. So imagine, been, you know, you fighting the drug. I've case, been to court man. before because I got pulled over when my license was expired. Uh-huh. So I went oh, in that's there. A, that's a tough. That's a big one. I went in there and it was like, people went up before me, and I was like, it was like, you know, you drive on the spare license and you can get like some time in jail. Yep. I'm like, oh I, I'm like, oh <laughs> They're
1: like, okay, yes, uh, three months in prison. <laughs> Bow like, Franco
3: Evans. I was like, if I go to jail for this. Shit, <laughs> I was not expecting to walk in there and be like, yeah, you know, you yeah. get
1: uh, fifteen days in,
3: in jail. I was like, you have to be kidding me. I was about to call my dad and everything, so I go up there. You know, they got, you know, they got one person to represent like
1: everybody. Yeah, just go up there. Oh, you took the court-appointed
3: lawyer, huh? You yeah, took, oh, nah. I just went up there and it was like, you know, uh, this that. It was like, just got you got to renew re- your license and you got to pay some money. Mm-hmm. I was like. I was like, "All right, bet." Thank but I thought I already yeah. thought he was gonna be like, "Yeah, we're gonna send you." I was yeah. like, "What? Two weeks? <laughs> Two weeks?" I really thought I was gonna go to jail for that, man. I never forget that feeling, man. I was like, "Cause people went up before me, so I'm sitting there like. Yeah. oh, you're no you, you think you're in traffic court and you hear people getting like time? You're yeah. like six months. You're like,
1: wait, they do that here? You're like, I thought this was just like uh being on a website, but in person, terrible. I was <laughs> so
3: scared, man. I was like, you have to be kidding me. Nobody, nobody before me got
1: uh, banged on." Time. That probably would make me nervous too, and I was there for running the stop sign. But I, I don't want to be in any court proceeding where there's people going up there and they're like three years. I'm like, wait, what? No, I thought this was like pretend. I she was like,
3: wow, man, yeah. it was like, but it was like, is this travel? Because they had to like go through with like somebody had to come out and like with shackles. I was like, am I the right? I was like, am I the right? No. Am I in the right courtroom? No, I no, so I, scared, no. I was so scared, man. No. Somebody like, got wh- sentenced to prison before you. I was like, "What is this?" Wow. They brought this dude out in a suit and shackles. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck? Where am I at? This can't be for just." <laughs> I, I just I was forgot so to scared. go to the NBA. I j- that's all. I just forgot to go to. the... <laughs> Somebody got charged for murder. I'm like, what, "Am I supposed to be? <laughs> am I supposed to be in?" <laughs> I was so scared, man. I never. <laughs> I was like, no, that's was too real. like 19. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, uh,
1: guilty of capital murder. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> talking to people next to you like, hey, what are you here for? <laughs> Breaking and entering. You're like, what type of shit is it? I thought this was. A- no, no, no. I-, <laughs> I just forgot to go to. I just forgot to get my license renewed. Oh, man.
3: Damn. Um, yeah, man. I was so
1: scared. Nah, nobody got sentenced. To, <laughs> <laughs> nobody was convicted of murder in, in my little traffic <laughs> court thing.
3: <laughs> I was so terrified.
2: So, <laughs> uh,
1: wow. So anyway, uh, Mr. Sheets, who was the guy who, you know, Fabian Sheets, they planted some drugs on him when they they uh they thought he had drugs on him and they couldn't find any drugs on him. So they planted a baggie of marijuana on yeah. him. The officers threatened to arrest him for the marijuana unless Mr. Sheets gave them information that would lead to another arrest.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So they're like, look, you can either go to jail for this weed we found or you can give us somebody else. Boom. An informant. And that's how easily informants are made. So what you doing? Huh? You- <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Like, you know, I saw some, you know, I don't, you didn't hear from me. <laughs> but that house down the street, in and out all day. <laughs> It makes sales all day up in and out of the house. That's just, you know. I don't know about that one. you gonna you think you're gonna try to fight it? I'm not fighting. They said they said they found weed on me, so they found weed on me. I know it wasn't. I know they didn't. Yeah. But it's my word against these three cops. So they, I'm gonna they, give them something. The Maybe I'll just give them you. some bullshit. Yeah. But that's the thing. I'll get to it. That is okay. that is what happened. So um <clears throat> so they said either you can give us, you know. Give us you Either you're going to jail or somebody else is going to jail. You choose. You, it's That's your choice. Up, man. Uh, to get out of going to jail for the drugs that had just been planted on him by the police, Mr. Sheets said that at 90, 933 Neal Street, the home of 92-year-old Catherine Johnston, Johnston, they would find a man named Sam and a kilogram of cocaine.
3: His name is Sam?
1: A man named Sam. That sounds They'd weird. find him and a kilo of cocaine. At 5 p.m., the poli- now again, this is a this is this is information based off of a dude under duress, yeah. Who they're saying either you go to prison or somebody else is going to prison. Yeah. So go, a, a dude named Sam.
3: Yeah, I'm making it up to you.
1: Yeah. So so <laughs> at five p.m., the police officers asked their career informant Alex White to help them by making an undercover cocaine purchase. So go to nine thirty-three uh, Neil Neil Street mm. and go to the house, knock on the door, and see if you can buy some coke from this house. Mm. So they asked their their informant, Alex White, to help them by making an undercover cocaine purchase from Sam. But Mr. White was not available. So the officers lied on an affidavit, and by 6 p.m., they had secured a warrant from the court to conduct a no-knock raid on Catherine Johnston's home based on false pretenses. So... They got some information. Yeah. They had an informant who I guess they have go make, you know, drug drug purchases and then they come behind where the guy walks, you
3: know, walks around Wait, the Wait, So who's Mr. You said Smith?
1: Alex White is their is their informant who goes and buys drugs. Oh, okay, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, gotcha. he will be like, right. go go see if those kids will sell you weed. Okay. And then when he walks off, they come up behind and they yeah, go, We yeah, just yeah. saw you make a sale, oh, we were okay, down the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. So this guy does that. So they called him to go send him to nine thirty three Neal Street. Yeah. And he wasn't available. Mm. So they go, Uh, oh, well, you know, this guy who we under duress, got information from his information is probably good. So we'll just say Alex White went there and bought cocaine from this house, mm-hmm. and we'll get a no-knock warrant because wow. we need we need probable cause. We need proof that there's cocaine in the house. He's so we'll just up. they made this is the t- the second thing they made up because wow. they they almost arrested this guy Mr. Sheets based off of you know planting drugs on him. Yeah. So. They 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 on the affidavit for the police warrant that they had to give to the judge. They said, you know, our informant went and bought drugs from this house. So we need a no knock warrant so we can get right in there before they flush the drugs down the toilet or whatever thing that they think is going to happen. So they get the no knock warrant under false pretenses. And. uh, By 6 p.m., they had the warrant. It took. It took the officers less than two minutes to pry off the burglar bars and use a ram to burst into Catherine Johnson's home without announcing who they were. Just long enough for her to find her rusty 38 revolver to protect herself. A terrified Catherine Johnson, keep in mind, this is a 92-year-old woman. You hear yeah. people banging into your house. She probably, you know, if 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 you can just point to a house and say, they sell coke in that house and the police go get a warrant and everything i have to i have to assume she doesn't live in the best neighborhood so this is a gun to protect herself yeah. from intruders and now she thinks intruders are beating down her door to come do who knows what to this lady yeah. so she grabbed her revolver to protect herself and she fired one shot at the intruders but missed the police the police officers returned 39 shots oh back at Katherine Johnston killing her with five or six shots through her body and hitting uh, three fellow police officers with friendly fire. Now, does that sound damn. familiar? They, they, uh, they arrested Breonna Taylor's boyfriend for shooting a police officer, and they eventually let him go. They accused him of shooting that police officer. And in this situation, this old lady got off one shot. They got off 39 shots. They got off so many shots that they shot their own fellow officers. That's crazy. So here's, here's, here's precedence mm. of this happening. So that's another similarity between this case and the Breonna Taylor case. Yeah. You know? Um, Fired 39 shots at a 92-year-old woman. And while she was laying ble- a 92-year-old woman bleeding on the floor, they handcuffed her and searched her home only, what? To, only to find no Sam and no drugs. As Catherine Johnston remained bleeding in handcuffs on the floor, Atlanta narcotics officers decided to lie to their superiors and to the public. They planted three baggies of marijuana in Catherine Johnston's home wow. and prepared two bags of crack, which they also illegally possessed. To claim that their informant had purchased them in her home, so they were perfectly cool with labeling this lady a crackhead, and you know, marijuana It's 2006. Marijuana is not that big of a deal in 2000s. I mean, people are still going to jail for it, but if it was just the weed, I think that's why they had to like, well, we got we got yeah, a warrant a for bit. cocaine, yeah, so yeah. she had crack in here too. So this 92 year old crackhead was selling. She sold, or maybe it was her grandson Sam, who sold crack to our informant who wasn't there. <clears throat> the officers asked mr white to corroborate their false story but he refused and instead contacted the press claiming that he feared retaliation from the police for refusing to lie for them this is the informant that they had planned on going and going and knocking on the door and not finding cocaine and all of the, none of this would have happened but instead they go ah it's probably cocaine in there it was alex is busy so whatever fuck yeah. it they went back to him and said hey man we need you to say that you were there and you did buy the cocaine and the sad thing is he really had no other than morality because you have to assume he wouldn't have gotten in trouble if he goes oh yeah i did buy the i bought i bought cocaine from that house yeah the police are on your side so you really other than your morality what's the downside if i ask you to perjure yourself for me if i go hey friend listen you know i i you know I killed a dude, you know, we got into a scuffle. I need you to tell the police. I need you to come to court and tell the judge I was with you. That's perjury. But when you're lying for the police, I don't think you have any fear of perjury because who's going to follow up on this case? That's crazy. So instead of, you know, lying for them and corroborating their lie, he went to the press and said, listen, man, they tried to ask me to lie about buying crack at that old lady's house. I I didn't do that. So I'm coming to the press in case they try to do something to me. Which I have to commend him for, yeah because he could he really he really could he could have lied and now you got to get out of jail free card at some point if you need it uh, three weeks later, Officer Jr was the first to tell the truth. Many feel these horrors would have been would would never have been brought to light if Alex White had not reached out to the press in fear. The report overkill the rise of paramilitary police raids in America by Radley Balco and and the Cato Institute's online map botched paramilitary police raids, an epidemic of isolated incidents, that's in quotations, mm. so an epidemic of isolated incidents, have documented over 300 similar cases across the United States. Evidence that Katherine Johnson, Johnston is not an isolated case, but rather the inevitable consequence of a flawed method of drug law enforcement, also known as the war on drugs. And this is what happens when you bring bureaucracy into policing. When you go, you need to make 10 arrests, a month. And it's like, but what if there's, what if there's no arrest to me? Right. Why isn't it okay for it just to not be any, any crime? That's not how people get promoted. That's not how That's crazy. You, we need to bring numbers and we need to show that there's a reason for us to be out here. So you need to make arrests. And then you end up with this system of people being like, we got, Hey, we got to find drugs. We got to find something. You know, when we did Jensen and Holes, we talked about, um, changing the title of, Defund the police, yeah, right, but at this point, people shouldn't get so caught up in the name of mm-hmm. it right just just read stories like this and listen to what people are saying about changing the culture and you can you can call it whatever you want in your head this is what they've gone with defund the police if that means hey man, police should not be you know pulling people over and planting drugs on people, and there should not be uh quotas and things for police that they have to reach in order to keep their job to prove that they're doing a good job or whatever. Sometimes it can just be, we didn't, we didn't arrest anybody today, putting pressure on it to make it like, well, you got a business. Well, it is, it is a business. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it is. That's crazy. Their job is in this business. Their job is to get dope on the table because that leads to people getting promotions that leads to um, c- contracts. Certain That's departments wild. make more money than other departments because they're functional. They they do the job. They put dope on the table. They make it's like arrests. they
3: getting paid. Like it's like they getting. It's it's like let's do. Let's say for my job for for exists for uh for example, say you're out six hours right, but you yeah. do are out in four, mm-hmm. and then you go, all right, well now we got to cut your hours back because you got Now you need to show why we need to keep you here for six hours. Yes. Yeah. That's
1: crazy. Yeah. It's, that's nuts. It makes you, it makes you like have to cheat at your job. You know what I mean? That's crazy. It's like it's like
3: it's like now now I got to sit out here and bullshit to make up for the yeah. <laughs> for the for the out. Like that's that's wild. Yeah, for it, a police officer now is like oh you got to you got to show I'm you gonna gotta lose get my arrest. job if
1: I don't arrest people. That's crazy. But the 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 district that I'm in is a low crime area, so I got to go get the arrest from somewhere. That's crazy. So that's why when you say damn it's a lot of police out today. They might all not be in their assigned district right now. That's they might true. all just be going to the place where they got better odds of making an arrest because they need to make a certain amount of arrests every month. You know, to, to put quotas on arrests is crazy. Uh, you know, uh, the job of a police officer should be something happened. We call you and you come help with that situation if you can. Now, we also have had run into situations where people call police officers for situations that maybe police officers shouldn't, shouldn't be coming out for. Mental yeah. health crises and things like that. So that's a whole nother discussion. But one thing I don't think a police officer should be is some kind of Gestapo, boots on the ground, you know, hey, come here. You got drugs in your pocket? You're arrested. You know, like, they shouldn't be out on the streets in that way. They should be, it should be a service. Yeah. You know, fire, fire department people aren't just going around kicking your door like, I saw smoke coming out of your window. Is there a fire in here? And they fuck your door up and all that. You know, you don't, you, that's just not the case. You call the fire department when there's an emergency. Yeah. The police shouldn't just be like, well, I'm, yeah, I don't like the way you hit that turn. Pull you over and you end up out on the, out of the car getting patted down and shit like that. You know, it's just...
3: That's embarrassing, dude. I'm
1: not here to be down on cops, right? But I'm just saying, this is a story about some dirty cops and some bad culture within policing nationwide, right? But I'm not here to just like shit on police. I understand it's a tough job. But my point is, when you make the job about busting people you can't help but end up in a situation where like you said if you got to hit a certain amount of hours you're going to stay clocked in until you hit that out those yeah. hours and if that means i'm in, on the clock while i'm eating or whatever yeah. you make me have to try to cut some corners and do some things yep. to keep my job yep. because if i don't get let's say it's 10 let's if i don't get 10 arrests rest month I'm going to get demoted or I'm never going to progress at this job. I'm yeah. never going to become the police officer that I want to be if I'm not hitting these numbers that you asked me to make. Yeah. And then that culture, you get brought in by a guy who, who, t- who, you know, he tells you, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to be your partner. I've been on the force about 10 years, so I'm going to take you under my wing. Now, what you want to do is you want to keep some baggies of weed on you at all times just in case, you know, you're short on your arrest um, on a month. You get a dude who, you know, he looks like he's not going anywhere in life. Just throw a couple baggies of weed on him. That's and then you make your arrest, you know, and then you'll deal with that. You know, he'll go to he'll go to drug like the people you were in that day with you expired license. Yeah. They're, you know, I'm sure there might have been maybe not. There might have been people in there was like, man, listen, they planted that shit on me. And you go, OK, man, cool. And then you but they go, he'll go to draft. He'll go to track. He'll go to drug court. He'll plead out and he'll get probation. And that's what, how they justify it. It's like it's just a little thing. They'll be on probation. But then that person is on probation. Now you're on probation. You can't go to work or something like that. You lose your job because you had to do all this traffic court shit and now you got a person who was already in a rough situation you've made their situation even worse and now you've turned them to making some more unsavory decisions so because you planted drugs on this person now they end up selling drugs yeah. because they lost their job at FedEx or whatever you know whatever it's it's a it's a it's a cycle it's a slope and people don't they don't think about that they go hey just I'll plant I'll say I'm going to plant some drugs on you you try to you you try to get them to turn on somebody else and now Bing, bang, bing, bang, boom. A 92-year-old lady got shot 39 times.
3: Yeah. That happened to us, didn't it? Wasn't you in the car? It was
1: me yeah, and Yeah, we all got pulled over. Yeah. 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 And th- the way that, so we all got pulled over. We were probably all around 19, 20 years something old, like that, 21, yeah. something like that. And the cop pulled us over in the middle of the road, yep. told us we fit the description of a truck of, a truck of four black dudes mm. driving around. Bullshit. And he goes, y'all been smoking tonight? Yep. Now all it would have took it was one person to just hesitate yeah. or anything like that's all they wanted was to get us out of the car because they already assumed we had something on us. Yeah. So because we didn't, but he's, he's buddy. But hey, man, it's cool. You can talk to me. It's cool, man. Hey, man, you guys, you, you can be honest with me. No, the fuck, I can't. Because if I say I did, <laughs> you're gonna pull me out of the car yeah. and you're gonna search me for weed. So why the fuck would I do that? But everybody doesn't know that. Yeah. So there might somebody hits you with that buddy buddy energy. Go. Yeah, I mean we smoked a little something before we left.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't do that.
1: Like, why would you you wouldn't it? do that, but somebody would and has, yeah. and has ended up arrested, pulled out of the car in the middle of the street because they like played along with the game, and then he goes, "Okay, let me get everybody out of the car," yeah. and then they go, "Okay," and then all it takes you might not even know, maybe I did have weed on me, yeah. and now I got weed on me, so it's like, "Okay, check this out," the weed was in the car, all oh, y'all going to jail.
2: Yeah,
3: it can just go like that sometimes. For us that night, it was like I was like, now I think about, it, I'm like, was that even legal? Because he was like. Hey, passenger, come to the come to my car. We yeah. got out, and he was like, hey, hey, man, you know, smell like y'all been smoking. I was like, no. Yeah. Pulling us one by one. And it doesn't smell like we've been right, smoking To get us, us to haven't. tell on one of our people that we with to say, hey, man, yeah, smell like we, y'all got weed in the so car. So if I
1: bring the dogs out, that's a, that's, that's the next thing they go, go to. So if I bring the dogs out here, are they going to find anything? Because they want you to crack. So, yeah, because they were looking, to, you know... They I'm scared out. of my
3: dad more than I'm scared of you. So, no, I'm not... I'm not. Uh, you don't fear me.
1: Yeah, so. that was a situation where they were looking to make an arrest that night. And luckily, not that we held our water, because there was no water to hold. We didn't yeah. do anything wrong. But, right. in a sense, we did. Because that could have escalated. They could have brought the dogs out. And I don't know what Nick had on him or what. You know, I don't know. We we all yeah. just assumed everybody was clean and we got fucked with for no reason. But it could have gone sideways and become more of a hassle. And who knows how it would have played out, you know? So, crazy. Just, you know, keep your cool and, you know, don't play into those kind of games. If you know you're not doing anything wrong, just, you know, ride it out. Yep. All right. So, back to this fucking tragic story. Anyway, based on the story that I just read, you can clearly see the similarities between uh, Mrs. Johnson's death and the case of Brianna Taylor. And um people have called the both the cases, both incidents saddening and maddening. Um so basically, officers entered Johnson's home on a no-knock warrant based on a based on bad information. And not just bad, false. I want to make that perfectly clear. They lied on the affidavit to secure a warrant from, from a judge. Nobody went and brought, bought crack from this house. Mm. Maybe this lady had a grandson named Sam, but that has not been. I don't know who. There's no proof that there was a Sam. There was no Sam, who is Sam. There was no Sam there. Yeah. So this was all false information. It wasn't bad. It was false. It was made up information.
3: Imagine being living that long and to die that way.
1: Yeah, right. That's the saddest part. This lady is ninety-two years old. She was supposed that's to crazy. die of old age and peacefully in her sleep or something like that. And she got fucking clapped, bro. At ninety-two years old, police mm-hmm. banged her door in and shot her ninety-two times. And then while she was bleeding on the floor, they handcuffed her and searched her house and then planted crack cocaine in her house. So her, there's news articles with this lady Catherine Johnston's name that's that mention that she that crack cocaine was found in her house. She a ninety-two year old woman
3: to defend herself. That's Mm-hmm.
1: Luckily people know this lady Yeah She's 92 years old And they're like This is all bullshit man This lady's not She didn't smoke crack You know So That's all you can hope for man Your legacy really is Within your name Yeah I learned that at the recent funeral I went to you know Like you know Really when people say When people speak about heaven And all that kind of stuff I really believe that it means The legacy that you left behind The name that you left behind Like what is your name worth Worth, You know like When people hear When, when Sophia's 25 years old. She's an adult. And she goes out to into the world. What does it mean when she tells somebody, oh, "My dad's Francis Evans." Yeah. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Are people going to treat her better for that, or are they going to not help her? No. Are people going to be more likely to help her because of who you are?
3: That's you how know? it is at work. My yeah. dad used to work at the same station I, I used to work at, so everybody go, "If dad was a good man." Yeah. I, yeah, I know. Now if he was a crud ball, they would be like, they wouldn't. Nobody would
1: talk to. Him. I would They'd be, a, be like, "That's be a crud ball. That's fucking." Yeah. That's 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 Mr. Evans's son. <laughs> He probably piece of crap ball shit yeah. like his dad, you know. But instead, yeah. people roll up the red carpet. They're like, "If you need yep. anything, I got you." That's what your name buys yeah. you, man. That's that's why you. That's why you don't fuck over people and do people shiesty because that that reflects on your legacy. Yeah, you leave that to your kids when you're gone. If they go, oh man, you probably a piece of shit like your dad was yep. a piece of shit. You know, you don't want it. You don't want that. So luckily, Miss Miss Johnston, ninety two years old, lived lived the scene so much, man. That's crazy. She's seen it all. Civil rights era. So many fucking. You know, went to the moon and all this crazy shit, and she got clapped in her house at ninety-two years old. She got shot thirty-nine times because somebody mm-hmm. kicked her door in, and she's like, "What the fuck? Let me grab the hammer, try to protect and yourself." An old ninety-two missed. She got one. She got one. No, she she, got, she missed. Oh shit! The but she they heard one. the shot and they just returned fire. Forty shots. Checks and balances are so lax that in the Catherine Johnston case, police were able to, in a couple of hours. So remember the where I go, that you know. They pull, they pull over Mr. Sheets. This is all one day.
2: Yeah.
1: All of this took place in one day. They pull over Mr. Sheets. They go call Alex White. Alex White doesn't show up. And by 6 p.m. they had a warrant. In, in Damn. And by 6 p.m. they had a warrant in their hands saying, you guys can go knock that door down. That's all. They didn't stake the house That's out. Crazy. They didn't stake the house out for a couple of days. They did, They got a piece of bullshit information from a person under duress. And within hours of that bullshit information, they had a warrant in their hands saying, you guys can go bang on that door without announcing yourself. Anything. You just kick the door in. They yeah. did all this. There was nobody named Sam in the house. There was no kilo of cocaine in the house, and maybe the dude lied. You know, so you know it doesn't really matter who Sam is. There was no cocaine in the house, and there was no Sam in the house. And they killed a ninety-two-year-old lady. Yeah, based on information that came under duress. You
3: know, and the purpose of a no-knock warrant so they won't like so no, they don't fl- the so thing.
1: they don't get out of the back door. They don't flush the drugs down the toilet. Anything, get rid of evidence. They want to catch you like dope in hand, so they want to catch you by surprise. That's the whole point: catch you off guard. That's what happened in the Breonna Taylor case. People are chilling, and they weren't doing anything wrong. But the whole point is like we want to get them. We want to catch them with their pants down. It's so it's like a
3: raid though. It's, the it's same a raid. Thing. Yeah, they come yeah, yeah,
1: fifteen weird. cops and they come bust the door in and they want to. They want to catch you with the drugs on the table, cutting them up. That's the in their mind. That's the ideal scenario. They catch you. You got five girls in the in in the kitchen, butt naked, cutting yeah. up crack cocaine. And they all got your know, surgical masks on and they just bust you on some Nino Brown shit. Yeah. But in a lot of cases where the work is done sloppily or illegally and corners are cut, they do risk busting into a house where there's just a family there. Because you're working a, off a faulty information.
3: You'd be a watch out in the house.
1: Yeah, ideally, or, or also there should just be no 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 knock warrants. If you don't catch the person with drugs in their hand at the time, I mean, like whatever. Like what is it? Like, make sure that your information is credible first before you're like, we got to catch him and we're walking out. So we get the picture of us walking out with the bag of dope in our hands and the guy in handcuffs. That's what this is all about. It's all about putting drugs on the table. <sighs> anyway, so, yeah, um, the lack of checks and balances are so lax in the Cath- were so lax in the Katherine Johnson case that police were able to, within a couple of hours, fabricate evidence and obtain an emergency no knock search warrant based on an imaginary person. Which which forces us to ask the question, how many warrants are obtained each year based on fabricated informants? If the information does exist, in most cases, what does our justice system require of informants beyond mere existence? So other than you just saying, like, I'm an informant and I saw coke. But that could be a lie. If that's all you need to get a no-knock warrant, then how many police officers have some name that they can just put down on the affidavit and go, yeah, this is the guy. Mm. How often does this happen? Because you go, my whole thing with, it's so, and again, I always bring up the Gun Trace Task Force, right? But there's so many, I've seen so many other stories of that happening in departments so far from Baltimore that you go, it seems like a system. Yeah. So that tells me where you go, if you know how you, you know, you might have things at your job where you go, yeah, I mean, technically you're supposed to. Sign this and then file this in the box B. Yeah. But you, can, you don't got to do that. You know, nobody's going to check. So just don't sign it and give it right to the person. Whatever mm-hmm. kind of, some kind of way to circumvent something. Yeah. This sounds like a tactic where you go, yeah, we got some information. There might be drugs in that house. Just say, just put uh, Bob Johnson's name down on the affidavit. He's a, he's a reliable uh, informant and the judge will sign it. That sounds like a tactic, like a way to cut, to cut around the red tape. And that tells me that that's probably more widespread than we even realize. Yeah. Outside of, you know, where this story of of Captain Johnson took place in Atlanta. it could That's just like, that's just what police do sometimes. You know, it's the, eh, if this takes too long, it'll take two days to get a warrant. But if you just say that you had somebody go knock on the door and they got crack in their hand, you get the warrant same day. Just So just do that. And that tells me that that's a system and that it's more prevalent than we even realize. When you say, oh, this is just something that they do to expedite the process yeah so that could any police officer can do that it's not like just this case where these guys happen to all of a sudden one random day say hey we're gonna put drugs on you unless you tell us somebody else that has drugs and then we then they go oh man call that guy have him go buy drugs from there oh he's busy okay we'll just put his name down this is all not a coincidence this is like tactics so that tells me that other departments probably use the same tactics yeah In the Catherine Johnston case, the false story about the informant was an instance of cutting corners. Reporting a violation is especially important where the victim is unlikely to discover the offense absent of such a report. So basically what I just read was saying, if you're a cop and you're not reporting when you see a fellow officer doing something wrong, you're in the wrong as well. And that just exacerbates, you know, bad policing and bad culture within the department. And that's where we're at right now. You know, if you got a bad apple bringing in all the other apples, they're learning bad apple tactics too. Yeah. And then soon, if that's the way they're being trained, they're all bad apples. Also, if you're an apple and you see an, uh, the apple next to you is rotting and has a worm coming out of it, and you don't go, hey, a uh, tree, this apple's fucked up. Mm. You're responsible for that as well. You know, so that's, I, you know, so people, these other police officers, you want to say, Every police officer isn't bad, then ne- this blue wall of silence thing, it just, it has to be changed. That, that mentality needs to change because if you feel like all of your other police officers are going to turn their back on you, if you say, hey man, this police officer is a rapist, and I've seen him do, you know, disgusting and abhorrent things to women when he pulls them over, he, you know, grabs them up and fills them up and things like that. If you go, I don't really want to say anything because then people are going to look at me like a snitch, that's bad culture. Yeah. And that needs to change. Now, how that changes, I don't know. I'm not a police officer. I don't know what it's like to be that brotherhood and, and you know, you put on a bulletproof vest and go into a house with guns. I don't know what that's like. Mm. I, don't know what, I don't know what that culture is like. And maybe it can never change because it really is kind of a gang. They are, you know, we, I want to make sure you get home at the end of the day. You want to make sure I get home at the end of the day. And so if you do something a little across the line, I'll hold you down. But then that line gets pushed back. Every time that happens, the line gets pushed back even further. Oh, we 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 arrested that guy. He had a hundred bucks on him. I'll take that money. Yeah. You know. Now, your line your line of what's wrong is changed. And ten years of that, who knows where your where your line is by the end of it? You know. <clears throat> so anyway, back to the story. The officers in the in this case ended up pleading guilty to multiple charges in two thousand eight. Jason Smith was sentenced to ten years in federal prison. Greg Jr. was sentenced to six years in, pr- in federal prison. And Arthur Tesler was sentenced to five years in federal prison. There's no parole in the federal, in the federal system. And each defendant was also uh, sentenced to serve three years of, supervised, re- of supervised, uh, supervised release following his prison term. And they were also ordered to collectively pay eight thousand dollars in restitution for the cost of Miss Johnston's funeral and burying her. Under fifteen years collectively, and they all had to pay the three of them in total eight grand. Yeah. To bury this old lady. So that was their punishment. I mean it they the were they were charged. Oh. I, I have to assume. Yeah, I have to assume they can never be I have to assume, but I don't know. But I have to assume that they can never be police officers again. Because again, this was this was two thousand six. So these dudes yeah. are out. These dudes are out. That's crazy. The person with the longest sentence was ten years. That's wild. So that was 2016. So all these people got out. They all got charged with like manslaughter and things like that. And uh, then they got su- so not only did they are they out, but they also the, the three years of, super, of supervised release is up. So they're they're done. They're done. These these men have served their sentence for lying, kicking down a door, and shooting a 92 year old woman. Thirty. 39 times. Yeah. And that woman still got more justice than Breonna Taylor got. And that's, that's not justice to me. And she still got more justice than Breonna Taylor got. So, but I, it's like, you have to take, you have to take the wins where you can, when police are charged because it's very rare. So I know it's like, there are people listening to this, like, it's like a slap on. on the hand of me. Amber Geiger got like, 10 years in prison. You know? So but they charged her. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's like they could have not. Yeah. That always is that always is a possibility. They could have not. So I don't know. 5 years in federal prison for murdering a 92-year-old woman is is a slap on the wrist. But, yeah, that was the story of Katherine Johnston. Um, really sad story. I, I got My my grandmother, she died at, like, 79. Mm. So I couldn't imagine making it to 92, yeah. you know? And, like, you, you brought up a good point, man. Like, nobody in 92 is supposed to go out like that. You're supposed to go out in a home, yeah. or, you know, in hospice or your family's around you or in your sleep or something. This is how mobsters get. She got murdered like a mobster. She was just a 92-year-old lady who heard somebody banging her door down and went to defend her home. And they clapped her. Um, rest in peace to Catherine Johnston, rest in peace to Breonna Taylor, rest in peace to anybody who's been a victim of police violence. And uh yeah, man, what we're gonna do is we're gonna um we're gonna get into these good vibes. Try to pick things up a bit.
2: Good, 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 good vibration.
1: Yes, folks, it's time for some good vibes. I feel like we got a little heavy there on the, my story. You know that just happens sometimes. You know, sometimes you tell some stories with some with some grim details outside of the tragic murder. Just some sometimes systemic stuff comes up, and it can just it can get a little dark. But we're here to go, um, try to take things up a notch in the spirit with some good vibes. Fran, my good vibes story that I found is about uh, from about a week ago. It's uh, about a student who couldn't pay his tuition fees. So a bunch of prison inmates rallied together to raise $32,000 to help him.
2: <clears throat>
1: so Side Newsome Green was a high school freshman when his world pretty much fell apart. His dad suffered a heart attack and needed a transplant. His mom was in an accident that impaired her vision. Both parents lost their jobs. Without their income, his future at the Palma School, the private all-boys Catholic school he attended, was in peril. But Green was about to get a helping hand that he had never expected from an unlikely source. A group of inmates at California's Soul Dad Prison pooled their income from working as prisoners. And with the with a little outside help, they raised most of Green's tuition to get him all the way through his sophomore year to, gradu, to graduation. All told, the sum was a whopping $32,000. And let me tell you something, this is... I, I'm I am a big believer in abolishing prison labor because they pay them two dollars to make hundreds of million dollars, almost billion, you know, a billion dollars a year in like prison labor, building furniture and doing all kind of crazy shit. They huh. don't make any fucking money doing that shit. Yeah. So to take the it's like college.
3: That, what? It's like college sports. It's
1: oh, like. yeah. Yeah. Except you're in prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's 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 yeah. Prison. I mean, uh, college sports. It sucks. You should pay the players. But also, at least you're not in prison. Yeah, you true. know. Now, what you do, I'm not going to get into what you do to end up in prison. And that's, you know, that's yeah. that's a whole different conversation. But I'm just saying, for them to be behind those walls, supposed to be paying their debt to, to, to society, they should not then in turn be being exploited to make chairs yeah. or whatever kind of thing for $2 an hour. And you know, because you, you can't pay anybody outside of prison to make that chair for $2 an hour. So you're exploiting labor, you know, in order to, you know... Amass extreme wealth, but whatever. Anyway, uh, this group was able to raise a whopping $32,000, and the gesture was inspired by a book club. Jim McCleddy, an English and theology teacher at Palma School, launched a reading program at Soldad seven years ago called Exercise and in Emp- in Empathy. And he never imagined that the cascade of positive uh, repercussions that would follow. In the program, Palma students and teachers met regularly inside the prison to discuss books with inmates. More than a simple exchange of ideas, it became an opportunity to change students' preconceived notions about inmates and offered prisoners a chance to step outside of those stereotypes. Uh, McClunney was quoted in saying, They go in thinking monsters, and they come out thinking a man, a human being. They've done bad things, but there are no throwaway people. In 2016, one reading club selection, Miracle on, *Miracle on the River Kwai* by Ernest Gordon, was the perfect book to, cha- uh, to change lives. The story chronicles the transformation of a group of prisoners of war from a mindset of survival of the fittest to one of solidarity with one another, and self—I'm so- um, sorry—to uh, one of solidarity with one another and self-sacrifice. Jason Bryant, who was serving a 26 year prison sentence from his, for his part in an armed robbery, finished reading the book and was so inspired by the story that he and fellow inmate Ted Gray set out to emulate the book's example. A small group of men made a difficult decision, and they decide to look out for each other. Bryan and Gray, I don't know why they're like. Uh, Anyway, so uh, uh, Brian and Gray also decided to change their energy into create to channel their energy into creating a scholarship fund for deserving Palma student. And Cy Green, who excelled at his studies and sports, got the green light for the next three years. Brian and Gray worked behind prison walls to gather donations to finance. To finance Green's education, most of the donations were small, but a steady flow paid off. Green, now 19, got his Palma diploma last year and is currently a student at San Francisco Academy of the Art of Art University. Bryant was granted clemency after serving 20 years and now serves as the director of restorative programs at CROP, a nonprofit that focuses on uh, reducing the recidivism rate via training, career development and stable housing. So that's really awesome. You know, like that, like that guy said, like the teacher that brought this program to this prison, there's no throwaway people, man. Like you, people deserve a chance for the most part, people deserve a chance to be able to reintegrate into society, you know? And I'm glad this guy found a way to do that with something that he found a passion in behind those walls. In a system with so many, where so many inmates are locked into a cycle of crime and punishment, Brian found the key to lasting change and forged by help and was forged by helping others. He embraces his second chance with a full heart. He's quoted as saying, I don't know about redemption. I can't say this. uh, This is what he told the Washington Post. He said, but I know that those of us who have truly transformed our lives are committed to adding value in, in, in any way that we possibly can. In the prison system, crime and punishment go hand in hand. Rehabilitation, while often cited as a goal, is usually more elusive. But if more book clubs were added to the mix, who knows how many transformations we could read about. So... That's dope. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe books can really change things in there. But also maybe not exploiting their labor and things like that. But, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's my good vibes.
3: Uh, my good vibe is um, a police officer who buys $250 worth of food for a family in need. Mm-hmm. In Massachusetts, Massachusetts, a Somerset police officer responding to a shoplifting incident, but decided that the punishment didn't fit the crime, so he bought groceries for the suspects instead. It was five days before Christmas when Officer Matt Lima responded to, uh, uh, responded to Stop and Shop um, for a reporting of a shoplifting. Upon his arrival, Officer Lima learned that two women with two young children had scanned all their groceries at the self-checkout kiosk before exiting the store with numerous items not scanned. Mm. So Lima took the two suspects aside and learned they had fallen upon hard times and attempted to take additional groceries so they could provide a Christmas dinner for their two children. The mother of the children was not working and had some other family issues going on, and what she had taken was Christmas dinner for the kids, the officer told WJAR WJAR News. Officer Lima served. um, The two women noticed not to trespass forms and refused to file criminal charges. Lima's boss, Chief George McNeil, said that this incident is a true testament of Officer Lima's great uh, character and decision-making. The two women, I mean, I'm sorry, the two children with the women... Reminded me of my kids So I had to help them out Officer Lima said mm. Officer Lima then purchased Gift cards And um, That was worth $250 With his own money So the women Would be able to purchase groceries For the Christmas dinner mm. At another stop and shop Location
1: Yeah That's beautiful Yeah man That's beautiful That's cool That's a good story man yeah. um, uh, Before we get out of here I want to say rest in peace Larry King man uh, Story career Journalist man Awesome interviewer Funny guy 87 years old, I believe. Larry King. Larry King, yeah, you know, shoulders. He passed away. Yeah, he died today, man. Yeah. Damn. Larry, I didn't know Larry that. Legend, man. Uh, been around for a long time, man. His old age. Yeah, I would assume. Oh. He, I tell you what, he didn't get shot 39 times. Yeah. So, um, you know, rest in peace to Larry King, man. A legend. Yeah. Um, left behind a hell of a legacy. Been in the business since way before I was uh, alive or even thought of. You know, Larry King's been around for a long time. Um, legendary dude, as far as speaking into microphones is concerned, so uh, props to him, and you know, uh, you know, thanks, thanks, thanks to him for kind of laying the foundation to you know for the next wave of people who interview people and all that kind of stuff to come up behind yeah. him and learn from him. So shout out to Larry King. Okay. Anyway, um, let's see, um, just a couple recommendations. Oscar season is approaching. I watched uh, this week. I watched The Sound of Metal. It's on Amazon Prime. Really good movie. I think it's gonna win an Oscar for best sound design. I think mm-hmm. you know um, Riz Ahmed, it's dude, it's dude, man, it's this handsome little uh, like Middle Eastern looking dude, and he gets he he cuts his he can do anything with his hair, and it's like he still is like a handsome dude. It pisses me off, man. He can just pull off anything, and I had that mustache, and people called me a creep and everything like that. I just can't do. I am just jealous that people that can just do stuff. Yeah. Um, but also outside of that, the movie's phenomenal. It's just so the Sound of Metal is on Amazon. Prime, and also Promising Young Woman. You know, people have been talking about this movie a lot. Um, I loved it. It was very twisted and dark and made you question morality about yourself and what you would do and things like that. So those are two movies that I saw that I highly recommend. I also saw uh, Dissident, which is a – it's the documentary. You did, a, you did a story about a journalist that was killed in Turkey. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. And it brought up we, – we mentioned uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. It's the documentary about just Jamal Khashoggi's legacy and how he was killed and how the um Saudi Arabian government and uh Mohammed bin Suleiman killed him really yeah. is and mean, that's what they did and um it's a very um powerful documentary and well done and very entertaining. I enjoyed it, but it's a very sad um, subject matter. But those are three movies that I've seen recently that I really enjoyed. If anybody has any movie recommendations, anything that they've seen recently that was they thought was really good, I would love to hear them. Fran, you didn't heard any good podcasts lately? Um, like yeah. That? Well, first of all,
3: I had. I know chasing uh, Cosby. Yeah, I had. Uh, Fuck it to that. Uh, I want to see rest in peace to my uncle June that passed away. Oh man!
1: Yesterday. Wow! Man, condolences, man.
3: Yeah. So um, that's been kind of crazy. Prayers up, man. Um, but. Uh, recommendations. Jason, Jason Cosby, go listen to that. I thought it was pretty good. She, uh, I can't remember her name, but she did a great job with that. Um, I, I watched the show, the like five or six part show on Netflix. Lupon. I don't know what that is. Lupon. Yeah, Lupon is French. Oh, excuse Le me. Le bon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Lupon. Yeah, bon. Uh, it was pretty good. It's about a um a gentleman thief. So it was a book and. He read the book and became this dude, the character in the book. But he's out to, um like a like a scammer, like he's a scammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a con artist or whatever. Oh, okay. But he's out trying to get um, justice for his dad that was framed for stealing a necklace from this rich family. Is this a movie or is this a it's like show? A six part. Uh, it's a docu series. No, it's not a docu It's a show. It's a show, but it's like okay, six okay, right, okay. I, I was like six. It's like it's they're strange. like an hour long. It's like six parts. And oh, okay, then it stops so. Um, I was like, this is very this is a
1: real story? So it's like a show. It's a show. But
3: it's a six part show. It's a six part show. Lupin. Yeah, Lupin. Arsene Lupin. Lupin. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, yeah, I like that. It was I like it like subtitled? Yeah, I changed it to English. I'm not <laughs> that. Crazy? I was I still give
1: you props because you watching French shit, but I thought I was like, France watching foreign films and reading subtitles? No,
3: thank you. <laughs> Cause I because wa- Steph was watching it. She watched up to like the episode four and then I watched it after her and she was like now it's kinda weird because she was reading subtitles. Yeah. And like the voices yeah. are different now. Yeah. That's I why don't I don't do
1: that. That's why because it's like, what are you doing here? How are you ever gonna escape from here? And it's like, that's not how they I sound. can look past that.
3: <laughs> I can I can deal with that. That doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. I'm not sitting there reading that and trying to watch it. no. That's <laughs> put that no English and yeah, let it go
1: figure it out. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll get used to their voices, their dubbed voices. Yeah, I know yeah. what's
3: going on. It's not good. But hey, I, it's a good show. I like it. It's really Okay, dope. Lupin. Yeah. Recommendation from Fran
1: from France a French film a film a film a suggestion from Fran from France. Oh no, no, no that was a terrible yeah. joke. What we're gonna what do is it? we're gonna we don't worry about it. Shut what? up! I don't understand. <laughs> you know, it's Fran in it. It's like, hey man, look, I've been Alvin Williams. Joined as always by my partner in true crime, France L. Evans. Uh, yeah, came no. right back. as a callback. No. And uh, uh, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Deuces.